0: If I got some guy to invest in me on TikTok and said I'll give you a million dollars, make TikToks for a year, or I'll give you five hundred K, make TikToks for a year, uh-huh. I'd do it. That's I'd be way more interested in doing that. I would drop like I would drop like every video I work on right now yeah. and just make TikToks. Because to me I figured out how to do it where it's like making TikToks is like making videos. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just Oh, that's crazy. They have a once upon a time in Hollywood book.
1: Yeah. Is it the screenplay or is that a novel? No, it's like a novel. Oh, it's crazy. So he put it out last
0: summer. Is it good? Well, yeah, I mean, it's... I almost the, done with
1: it. Really? Yeah.
0: I'm not gonna lie. Was not a huge fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, no, honestly, that's like... Uh, it's it's like, it's not my least favorite, but it's one of my least favorites. I'm not gonna lie. Is it... it I'm not saying it's a bad movie. No, no, it's there's no There's no bad Tarantino Everybody movies, really. A yeah.
1: Why is it one of your least favorite? I
0: think it's just because, like, I th- I think I, I'm i not super interested in, like, the Manson murders and stuff like that. And yeah. I actually, I really like Slice of Life and, like, non-plot, like, filmmaking. Yeah. I like stuff that doesn't always have a plot if it's, like, super character heavy. But it just felt like he, now that I, like, I'm actually going to say it, I feel like it doesn't sound as bad. But I feel like he was just, <laughs> he was just writing, like. He was just writing a story for himself. Like, you could tell that he was just writing it because he was having fun doing yeah. it. How many times have you watched it? Once? I've only seen it, like, twice. Okay. Yeah, I saw it in theaters, and then I saw it again. But, like, the second time I saw it was, like, a very passive viewing. The, you know re- what I mean? the
1: reason why Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is currently my favorite Tarantino movie is because I like how refined it is. Uh-huh. I feel like it's, like, Quentin minimalist in a way. Where kind of like you said, it's like it's not a plot movie at all. It's really just kind of slice of life characters. And I like that it's kind of like happy core and polite core where he keeps doing these classic Quentin setups where you think something horrible is around the corner. And then it just kind of winds up being Cliff, just being like a nice guy. And because of that, I think the payoff at the end, where it becomes one of the most violent scenes yeah. he's ever done, is like such a just, I don't know. Like I, huh. just, I love how simple it yeah. is.
0: It's definitely a film that he's definitely made so many movies that he's just playing around at that point. So I, hmm, you make me want to watch it again. Yeah. Anytime I shit on a movie and somebody's
1: got a good point about it, yeah. even if I still don't really know if I like it, <laughs>
0: I'm always like, I don't know, shit. I should watch this movie again. Like, Well,
1: I thought yeah, I get why people would like his other movies more yeah. than it for sure because a lot of his movies are these big epics, you yeah. know, and there's like a lot of moving around, you know. And it's it's a very simple movie about normal people relative to his other things. Um I've been read- so I've been reading the novel. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about it is like so many of the side characters including like the dog has its own chapter with like 20 pages of backstory. Yeah. And what's been really r- wild reading this is I like you, you know, that he's one of these guys who just loves filmmaking and mm-hmm. characters and all this. Reading this, I'm like, holy shit, like he clearly has so much backstory yeah. and so much rich details in his head about the characters we see that, like, you'll never get to see because you know, he, he can't make a five hour movie, even though he probably would want to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And so it's been really interesting to read and kind of see, like, all this extra stuff. I think um,
0: it, it kind of reminds me of a... You ever, you ever seen Inherent Vice, the Paul no, Thomas Anderson no. film? So the, it's based off a book by Thomas Pynchon. Yeah. And, uh I read, like, half the book. To be honest, I didn't finish the whole thing. Yeah. But I love the movie so much, I was like, I want to read the book. But in the book, it was like every time there was a character, it was like this whole elaborate backstory and stuff like that. And I think, honestly, a lot of filmmakers who are really inspired by novels are typically ones that I feel like have like the most deep characters. yeah, And also know how to drive a story in a way that doesn't feel like... You're on the plot points, but mm-hmm. that you're almost like gliding through them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, because I feel like that's why I love his films is that you get so lost in the characters, but you're also feeling the yeah. movement of the story. And I feel like maybe with this one, I didn't love the, personally, didn't love the characters enough to not feel the movement of the story. Okay. Because that's why I love um, Inglorious Bastards is I feel like. That's like in my top three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's I so feel good. like that movie's just like expensive chocolate, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's just, it's like, you're watching it, and you're just like, wow, like, this dude speaking four different fucking languages, and
1: everything is so beautiful, and yeah. like
0: every quote, I don't know.
1: It's just like well, I love when I love the precursor to the final scene where the bastards are about to infiltrate the 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 Nazi movie screening. Yeah, and they have to pretend that they know how to speak oh, Italian. Oh yeah, and he's like Gorlami. Like he goes Gorlami. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt's really fucking good. See, I love Brad Pitt's character in Once Upon a Time so much. Yeah. Because he's just, like, at every turn doing, like, the right thing. Like, he's, like, driving Rick's car. He's, like, you know, the girl tries to sleep with him and he's, like, no, get away from me. Mm -hmm. Like, he's always, like, he never fucks up. And then, like, in the middle, they they hint that he may or may not have killed his wife, but they don't (laughs) outwardly say. And it's so funny. So then at the end, when he's just viciously murders everyone. It's just like, okay, this guy fucking kills everybody. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like such a long-hanging punchline, I feel like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's like I again, I feel like it kind of goes back to the whole like he's playing with characters at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I love I love his movies. I feel like I need to give it a second shot now that you're saying stuff. Because I feel like I'm just missing things.
1: Because I, yeah. you know, it's
0: like one of those movies you got to watch it a few times to really actually know what the fuck is going on.
1: Well, I think w- one thing about it that I've appreciated a lot more of filmmaking lately is I-, I think a lot of. People go to the movies these days and they're trying to like solve them as they watch it. Yeah. I think analysis culture has taken over so much. Totally. I, and like, sure, video essays on, tic- on on YouTube is one thing, but I think TikToks, there's so much like, did you notice that this happened in this scene? And a lot of time it's like really bullshit claims in my opinion yeah people just kind of content farming and so now i think a lot of people go to the movies and they're trying to like solve them and they're trying to find a reason for everything instead of just enjoying what they're living in it like living in the moment yeah and when i saw once upon a time in hollywood i remember one of my friends afterwards brought up this scene and they were saying how like it was a long scene and it didn't lead to anything later and i was explaining how like it, it showed us a lot about the character though and their vibe. Mm-hmm. And I think stories can actually be plotless if it's just a really great character piece and you watch a character just kind of express themselves totally. over the course of a story I, I
0: think that I feel like there's still there's always a story and there's always movement to it. but to define it in this like almost like eight sequence storytelling like that plot structure that you learn like yeah a, a plot B plot anything kind of like that, that's just like, one way to do it and that's like the base for it you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i feel like like i feel like a good example of that is like boyhood like boyhood is like definitely a story but there's no driving plot yeah it's literally just elevating a person's life like you're just watching a bit of their life every year as they get older which is like a story in itself but it's not like a moving plot with like a rising action and a yeah. climax so yeah i i agree honestly i think those movies too you really need to watch a few times To really actually appreciate what's going on. Because at first it might feel like nothing is happening. Mm -hmm. You ever heard like a Fellini's whole thing about like watching a movie three times? Uh, No. He has this thing where he says like if you really want to understand a film you need to watch it at least three times. One you should not think a single thing about it. You should just the first time just watch it. And just take it in kind of like what you're saying. The second time, you understand the plot points, you pick up on it, all that kind of stuff. And then the third time is you really actually start to understand how the film works, how the, like, almost, like, the theory behind, like, making the movie is applied. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you need that, you need to live in it first so that you don't try to, like, trick yourself into knowing what's going on. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I, I, I do that. I, I had a problem with, like, watching movies for, like, a year where I was, like, I would sit down and I felt like because I'm a filmmaker, I had to like, I had to get something out of it. I had to walk away with it and be able to talk about it. And and, and now I'm like, if I want to watch something, I want to like, like, I started doing this thing because my roommate Tommy does this where he'll watch, he'll rewatch TV shows he's already seen while he works because you don't really got to pay attention to it that much. I've been rewatching Malcolm in the
1: Middle. It's Malcolm so, it's, in the Middle is the I'm, best show ever, bro. It's so funny you bring that up. but yeah. consen- <laughs> Dude, but like. I'm not like sitting I have there. I've something to say about Malcolm really? in the, yeah Dude, I'll, I'll I'll I love Malcolm so in the Middle. So I I love Malcolm in the Middle oh, a lot. Cuz it's great. Cuz it's um, like the
0: greatest TV show ever.
1: So when I go to do podcasts with people and they have pr- other interviews, <laughs> sometimes I listen a little bit just to make sure I don't like talk about stuff they've already talked about mm-hmm. a bunch. But the, I try not to listen to the whole thing, so yeah. I, you know. But I, I listened to like five random minutes today of you talking to Nick Johnson, and you were talking about Malcolm and the. Oh, Mell. really? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I was just hearing you go on about how good that show is, and I was th- I was actually going to bring it up <laughs> really? to you because That's crazy. It's so good. I didn't do that. I I did that
0: podcast in like 2019, probably, or like early 2020, like pre-pandemic. Well, term, well three years later,
1: it's still on your mind. So, well, I
0: because <laughs> I I've always loved that show, but specifically. My point with it, though, is I watch it kind of almost subconsciously Mm -hmm. and I'm enjoying it probably just as much as I would if I was watching a movie for the first time that I really liked. Because I just know the content so well that like I can kind of fall into it. And I just love I feel like a a lot of my uh, a lot of my taste and like humor and like characters comes from that show Mm -hmm. because everybody's a little like self humiliating in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love that. I think that's like my favorite part of it. But that show has always left a mark on me, and specifically the bowling alley episode. Do you know that episode? Yeah, where it's the split it's time the timelines. It's the split timelines, and it, yeah, it's like when Lois goes or when Hal goes. Yeah, and Hal does the whole shake when he goes bowling. Like, yeah, I, I feel like I watched that as like an emerging filmmaker when I was like fourteen or fifteen, and I was like, okay, I actually want to be a filmmaker. And like, I feel like at that point I was watching shows and movies that I loved, and I was like, okay, well, how does it actually work? I remember watching that episode and being like oh, this show's actually, like, before I even realized I liked stuff like this, like, this show actually has, like, that kind of layered intent behind it. Like, it's well-made.
1: Yeah, it's well-made, yeah. Yeah. Well, Malcolm in the Middle is interesting, like, with TV history because it was kind of the first family sitcom that was shot single cam and yeah. not unlike a... Studio audience multicam thing, yeah. And when you think, it's kind of crazy to think that because you would assume that there'd be more. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like the the whole like nuclear fami- family, family, yeah. like kind of like sitcom it was kind of the first and on top of that they took the idea of it being this like fun family that gets into hijinks that you watch and they were like these are the worst people yeah ever. they're just super they're the they're the family on a cul-de-sac that like you don't want to talk to and and i shouldn't even say worst people ever but you know it's like obviously lois like sh- she's a lot yeah and the kids are all the, kind of bad in their own way well it was the early two bad but like it was reese is kind of a dick and
0: reese is definitely the, yeah no yeah, Reese is not a, he's francis like, is kind of dangerous too especially yeah. in the i feel like as it, later seasons went
1: on francis became more normal yeah but the earlier seasons francis is like lighting cars on fire and stuff well the show was very indicative of like the early 2000s yeah. and i think how people felt is like lower middle class you know yeah it, it
0: owns it really well
1: yeah it i love that I do, too. I, it's it's slept on Brian Cranston, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's like... Yes and no. I mean, I he's known now for Walter White, but I don't think he ever would have had Walter White if he wasn't out totally. first, you know? But I feel like
0: when people talk about Brian Cranston and, like, how good of an actor he is, I feel like it's Breaking Bad and on. Like, right. his career started with Breaking Bad. Yeah. And really, it's like... His career started with Breaking Bad. I completely agree with you. Like, like I think that there would be no Breaking Bad without Malcolm in the Middle, but to have Breaking Bad, which is, like this super intense drama Mm -hmm. where he's playing this really scary character. Yeah. And then you have Malcolm in the middle where he's doing, like, the funniest shit half the time. Or being really, like... Really, the opposite of Walter White, where he's like soft and sensitive. Yeah. Like, he's definitely like the easy parent. You know what I mean? How, like, they they have the easy, tough parent kind of
1: set up. Like, he's like the softer one. He's so fun. The the episode where he gets into like speed walking.
0: Dude. Oh, (laughs) my God.
1: And just the outfit. (laughs) And he
0: just just owns it. Like, his face is just so, like, determined. Yeah. When he does, like, I I just rewatched the rollerblading episode where he taught Malcolm how to skate. And it's like, Dude, but there's this shot where he's like, Malcolm and him are at are dinner together, and he's like, "Dad, like, can you teach me how to roller skate?" And like, it dollies in, and then all of like the backlight just kills, and it's just them two together in this dark room. And he's like, "Are you sure, Malcolm?" And it's like, "Yeah." What the fuck? Like, this was like 2003. Like, I think I don't remember what network did it. I think it might Fox. Fo- Fox. It was on yeah. Fox. Yeah, dude, I loved Fox growing up. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I was a because well, I watched well, like they,
1: pr- they produced a lot of good shows.
0: Yeah, honestly, well, in that like. I I think I was watching live TV as like a whole thing for me from like I want to say from like nine to like fourteen. That's when. That's
1: right. I was just like, "There's a screwdriver." There's a screwdriver. My (laughs) bad. (laughs) I love your Cyndaquil. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have a Cyndaquil sticker on my hard drive, so I know what's going on. (laughs) Well, there there was this episode of Pokemon where all everybody's Pokemon get kidnapped by Team Rocket. Yeah. And then Ash and then Richie, who was just kind of like other Ash. Yeah. And they both have Pikachus. They're in the back of the truck.
0: Didn't he have a nickname for his Pikachu, Richie?
1: I think it was Sparky Yeah, I think it was Sparky, yeah. So so they're in the back of the truck, and there's this, like, giant bag of, like, a million Pokeballs. Yeah. And they're like, how am I ever going to find my Pokemon? And then Richie pulls out his, and Ash is like, how do you know those are his? And he's like, I put stickers on my Pokeballs so I know who's who. Yeah. And then Ash is like... Whoa, Richie! That's an amazing idea. And I remember as a kid thinking it would like come back, and it never did. But when I started buying hard drives, I thought about that, and so now I have like very distinct like. Just I know I could just use drive. a label maker like a normal yeah. person, but I prefer fun stickers. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. That, I feel like that just. <laughs> I feel like, like,
0: as people, like, we gotta find purpose in, like, small things to, like, keep us going, and, like, putting
1: Pokemon stickers on your fucking hard drive is just a better way to live life. It's very full circle. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, no, I'm with you. I watched TV more than anything uh, growing up because... so, before DVRs and, like, recording episodes, we would buy, like, full seasons of oh, shows. Oh, yeah, or buy,
0: like, volume DVD packs and
1: stuff, or... Well, so, we we mostly bought them on iTunes. Oh, really? Which now is a little that's bit... That's crazy. I, I
0: I had holes in 8 Mile on iTunes <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> which, I had Iron Man 1. Really? <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. I feel like... Oh, man.
1: Yeah, no, we... Iron um, Man 1's awesome. We, I st- so, season two of The Office... It yeah. was going on when I was, like, a fourth grader, when I was, like, nine. Uh-huh. And we started, me, my brother, and my mom started watching it together on the Jim's Barbecue episode. And from that episode on, I watched every episode of The Office, like, live on TV. Yeah. So every Thursday. You looked forward, like, that was every, every Thursday, Thursday was. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, when the season was over, we'd buy the season on iTunes, and I would just sit at the computer and just watch it yeah. constantly. And then... We would then, then we could DVR them, so then you could just record it. And so, like waiting for the next one to come out, I had already watched the last one like three times. Yeah. So like literally pre uh, Office being on Netflix, I had already watched yeah, the whole were, show. Yeah, you were like, like an Office stand Like twenty times, but I started adding in more shows. Like I did this with scrubs and 30 rock and parks and rec and snl like i watched like Yo, so many shows i love scrubs scrubs is underrated scrubs, right? is
0: a, scrubs is a live action south park bro like it's like no i'm just joking <laughs> like, i used to say that but i don't think that's actually that's an accurate that's take a crazy claim. <laughs> <laughs> but no i love scrubs i think like well i i did think when i was younger i remember i watched it and i was like this has such a weird dark sense of humor in a very family-friendly sitcom. You know what I mean?
1: I never thought of it as dark, but I suppose because... There's an
0: episode where the lawyer's about to jump off the hospital and kill himself, yeah.
1: Yeah, but Ted is also like...
0: Suicidal is like a character trait for him on that show.
1: That's true. Ted was like the Toby of that show. Yeah,
0: but Toby wasn't ever trying to kill himself in the office. (laughs) Well,
1: we just didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, that's... All right, well, but like... You know, I think, honestly,
0: like, I feel like that whole single-cam era of sitcoms Is super slept on
1: because they had to actually prove that they were going to be good do you want this like a little higher sure i feel like you're leaning forward a little bit yeah i just have bad posture okay i uh sometimes i just like throw like a book or two under these oh that's smart i haven't done it the last few times but now i'm like i I just see you leaning forward so now i'm like yeah i don't have fancy microphone stands i mean it's all good See you can get one on amazon though that like i know Oops. i just there's it's so like, many it's like eight bucks but <laughs> all right there's, I, there's just so, so many really things good. i need to buy yeah no i <laughs> feel you I just, a- I just hate buying film equipment shit without like taking the time to research it first because then it comes in and yeah it's kind of jank and then you don't replace it for years That's facts and now you have this like shitty thing now i feel like you don't know what to do with it i just
0: bought a bunch of like iphone camera accessories because yeah. i'm going like super hard on like the tiktoks right yeah, now yeah, yeah. and like that shit is like that was, like, Christmas when I got all that
1: stuff. So, like, like fisheye for, like, iPhone? I got a fisheye,
0: and- but what my favorite thing is is I got an iPhone tripod that's, like, a suction cup mount. So yeah. I can just suction cup it on, oh, like... school that's cool. like I was wondering like how you were doing some of the bird's eye yeah, yeah, so, well, I have a bird's eye. I have a desk bird's eye tripod, too. So I can put it on my desk, and then I can do, like, the bird's eye. And cool. it's got this, like, arm that can bend really easily. Yeah. And then I have a gorilla pod, too. So I have a few different ones, but the suction cup one was, like... Like, doing a desk bird's eye is easy. Yeah. But doing, like, crazy wide high angles, which I love. I love, like, an overly dramatic, like, wide high angle. And, like, I can now do that on my
1: iPhone because I got the suction cup mount. I want to ask you something. I'm trying to find the right way to phrase it. Yeah. So, you you certainly are putting effort into your TikToks. Yeah. you're, You're trying. Do you feel like, as a filmmaker... Like, you're already a filmmaker before you're even making these social media videos. Mm-hmm. Do you find it, like, easy to impress people on TikTok because you just know of techniques and stuff that are cool? Um, Does that make sense?
0: No, maybe maybe I'm, like, <laughs> it makes sense, but maybe I'm dumb. <laughs> and I don't know, and I don't know those techniques because I don't really, I don't really know. Like, well, I feel
1: like most people aren't doing like bird's eye views and shit like that. Oh yeah, see what I'm saying? Because yeah, you're, mean, you're doing, you're doing somewhat advanced camera techniques. Yeah, but for someone who makes music videos, for you, it's not that complicated. Totally. Yeah, so, you yeah. See what I'm saying?
0: I think I'm just shooting things on there that I like to shoot, and yeah. like even though some of them are like tropeable, like a bird's eye view, especially like a a desk bird's eye view. I just like. That's, like, stuff I like, so I'm just going to, like, yeah, you know, I'm just doing it, and I, I feel like I'm at a point where I'm, like, I know how to make videos. Like, I can make videos. That's not the problem. I get really insecure about being original with my content or being, like, having, like, the Lucas OM voice and, like, standing out and all that kind of stuff, but then I really think about it, and I'm, like, nah, I should just be doing as much as I can, and, like, if people feel like I'm, like, copying something or, like, doing something like that, like, it's because I am, because I'm still learning what that style is. Yeah. Like, I feel like as a filmmaker's life goes on, we're in the, okay, we actually know how to make video stage right now. So now it's like, I have to go from that to, what
1: is Lucas? But that might take me another ten years. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, because, like, I definitely... Pride myself on trying to make original, cool things, and, yeah. and like a, a lot of stuff I've done has been derivative of other things because I'm like inspired by all. That's lot. how all my stuff is. I can like look back on every music video and tell you what
0: movie I was thinking. Yeah, about exactly. You
1: know what I mean? I, I I think um, I think part of the reason it takes me a while to make certain short films and music videos, um, aside from the fact that just you know timing and budget and stuff like that plays a mm-hmm. lot into it. Is because I do try to like figure out like the exact, just exactly what I'm trying to do and say. Yeah. Like I try to give myself some sort of creative goal where by the end of it I feel like I've expressed myself fully and it yeah. is like a Zane thing, like you're describing. And so with that, I, I try to make those like things that feel more like weighted to me on my body of work, like have a lot of thought put into it. But when I'm doing other things that are more f- just for fun. Uh, like doing a podcast or video essays or graphic design, mm-hmm. you know, because you know you're doing TikToks, so it's like as an artist, it's kind of good to have these other things. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a side thing. Well, and the that's way that's kind of where you can play around more
0: and yeah, not worry about yeah. well, it. Well, so and it's much. like cool because it's like I've been working in music for a while, and like I'm not, I don't understand marketing that well, but like I've started picking up on things that like artists could do. Like I, at this point right now, like if you want to actually make a career in music, the best thing you could do outside of making good music is putting that music on TikTok. Yeah. Like, that's just a given. So I'm hanging out with all these artists, and some artists are super with it. Some artists are like, fuck TikTok, this shit's stupid. And mm-hmm. it's like this weird, like, gamble where it's like you have this understanding of the market, but these people that you're working with don't always want to apply it. And I'm like, but I can apply it. So why not I just put myself in it? Because that's something I've always wanted to do. And it just kind of folds into that. You
1: yeah, know what I mean? yeah, no, I... There's, like, so many different things there I want to talk Sorry. about, too, because it, I, I feel like you and I both really appreciate, like, filmmaking and art and totally, stuff yeah. But we're kind of in this weird world where we got to navigate this very... I think the problem with social media and a lot of the stuff and, like, marketing and trying to figure out how to get it to people is I think it's inherently unnatural and inhuman to a certain degree. yeah Because... And I'm not saying that you can't bring humanity to these things, but... I think when you're trying to feed an algorithm or figure out what trends well, like you're starting to think a little bit like a business executive where mm-hmm. you're like, well, we'll catch people's attention. And I think that, that that line of thinking is pretty different from like what is good art. Yeah. But, but it's like if you want... They can coexist though. They can coexist. And like I, I think like what, I, what I'm speaking to is kind of like a necessary evil in some ways where... I think some people are amazing artists, but they don't want to play that game at all. Totally, and it's like I get it because I don't necessarily want to either. But it's like, well, can you make it fun? Like, can can yeah. you can you find a fun version? That's that's what TikTok is for me. Is that yeah. it's this thing that I have learned how to do
0: things fast and that I enjoy doing them and stuff like that. And so I didn't mean to cut off. No, no, thought, you're good. You're like, good. Like I also I wanted to go back to some of were saying where like you have this part of your videos that make you feel. Like they're zane and that's what like that's probably the number one most important thing for you And for me like when I'm making videos the thing I always try to keep in my head is I Like as long as somebody I don't care about a style as much I used to when I was younger I don't care about a visual style as much anymore. I care about making people feel with whatever I'm doing I don't care what that feeling is as long as I can exhibit a feeling a lot of my earlier stuff was like super dramatic and i think it was because i was like i know how to deliver this feeling and now i'm like kind of like okay i want to learn how to deliver like other feelings but that's the consistent core of anything i do instead of trying to be like original or anything like that it's just trying to like facilitate that emotion because that's how i am about most stuff if i really like it i feel something
1: well i look at somebody like disney where now they're very rigid about kind of making their movies essentially like well-selling products. Yeah. And I think that they limit themselves from sometimes making the art as a good a version of itself. It could be. And what I mean by that is like, there are some filmmakers like Wes Anderson where they have a defined style and that's just like what they want to do. And I think that's really cool. And I think the consistency Allows for people to be fans very easily, but what I'm very impressed by are artists where none of their work reminds you of the other. Oh yeah, I I mean, I'm saying
0: not an auteur, like somebody who can bend between the lines of like stuff and make like very different projects.
1: Well, I mean, even if you look at like Kanye, there's there's similar through lines between his albums, Mm -hmm. but like you know yeezus and 808s and heartbreak and the college dropout are very different albums yeah and kind of what you're talking about with feelings versus having a distinct visual style i am a fan of a lot of different kinds of stuff so i think like my innate filmmaking style like my sensibilities are kind of towards something like boyhood like a slice of life whatever Mm -hmm. but if i'm making like a sci-fi thing or if i'm making a comedy I want to put that away and make
0: it like the yeah. Best. You're, you're focused on doing this thing. I've been feeling that way a lot with videos lately with music videos where it's like when I first started making music videos, like I made a rap. I mean, if you rap videos and like I remember the rap videos were like this slice of life indie style because that was what I was trying to fulfill for myself because I was like a repressed filmmaker. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like I've done enough music videos now. Like I'm directing them like I have the creative control to be like, OK, like I. Now I care more about, like, like what does this artist need to be shown in? You know what I mean? Because when I did those, it was, like, shitty because, like, some, I feel like a lot of times rap videos don't need that, like, indie slice of life kind of aesthetic to it. You know what I mean?
1: I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying because you're basically saying you want to portray the artist as the best version of them. Yeah, self. exactly. And that, that I feel like as a filmmaker, you can be very
0: explorative in that because yeah. then that
1: way you're doing a bunch of different things instead of trying to just do the one thing that you can do. I think ultimately with art, I think it's important to not think too much about, like, what people want to see or Mm -hmm. getting comfortable or doing what's expected. Yeah. I think art is most interesting when it's unexpected. So I really like contrasting ideas. So I think if you want to take a rap video and make it a slice of life thing, I think that that can be very beautiful. Um, So I I wouldn't even say what you're doing is inherently bad, but, like... I think it I, – I don't disagree with you. I
0: think just when I was doing that, it didn't fit with the artist the way it needed to. Right. And I feel like I completely agree you with you. You were kind of putting turn something Turn everything on, on its head. Like, I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. But, like, still make it fluid. Still make it cohesive. You yeah. know what I mean? Because if you if you turn shit on its head for the sake of turning shit on its head, then you got, like, donuts and mustard, and that shit's just not going to taste good. You well, know what I mean? Like
1: That's the thing. I think that you can – you can subvert expectations, but everybody still has to be on board and feel like it it fits. Because, I I think a good example is back when I was planning on directing like my first music videos with Qwerty. I had like a number of different pitches, and one of them was going to be comedy centric, and you know he's also a comedian, so that that's no problem. Yeah, but the type of character I wanted him to play was much. You know, he's kind of a lower energy guy. Yeah. I feel like
0: his delivery is probably a lot more based off of, like, really clever lines or, like, moments with his reactions and stuff like that.
1: I was going to be having him play a character that was, like, a bit goofy and doing stuff that... Like, eccentric almost? Sure. And I remember when I pitched it to him, he was like, I wouldn't play that type of guy. And I was initially a little... Uh, disheartened because i felt like oh but if we just did it it would be good Mm -hmm. but the problem is is like if he feels that way yeah while we're making it it's not going to turn out he can't
0: he can't be uncomfortable because it's like yeah you got to be like i feel like yeah like you, you gotta you gotta have it when people like resonate with it i've had projects that i've brought to people to like dps or like really anybody in the industry not just actors and being like, hey, you want to do this with me? And they're like, nah. And at first I'm upset, but most of the time they're not like, no, this sucks. They're like, no, this doesn't speak to me in the way that I kind of think it should. Yeah. And when I get that, I feel like you're hurt by it, but it's also like, well, at least they
1: were honest because if they didn't care that much, it probably wouldn't turn out that good. I think if you think an idea is good enough, there is something to be said about selling somebody on something because Mm -hmm. I think there's also plenty of times where somebody like – And initially was a no, and then it turned out to be like a masterpiece. Yeah, you know, because sometimes people don't even know like how they're capable of being seen as an artist. Because I I think people put like an identity around themselves a lot. Totally. And so if they're presented something, whether or not like a rapper is being shown a beat that's nothing like they normally get on, or like a video concept that's not like their usual tone, um, and they say no initially, if. You know, if you think it, if you, uh, you as the other guy, if you think it's a really good idea, I think sometimes it can be worth talking to them about it and like saying like, no, like you would fit great yeah. within this. You just haven't done it yet. That's facts. But you know, if it if it doesn't work, then it just doesn't. Yeah. You know,
0: I uh, I've been trying to like explore more back into rap, kind of tying this back in because like mm-hmm. I'm I want to do
1: something different because I feel like you guys have been doing mostly hyperpop. Well, it, right?
0: no, I'm talking more personally because okay. I've mostly been doing like pop music right now Mm -hmm. soft pop like indie pop type stuff i would say somewhere in that mostly indie pop stuff which i like and i just did an indie band and like i want to do more indie bands like i think that's just my voice kind of fits the best in that area but now i'm like but i love rap music so i'm like if i can make rap music like and i like 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 trap or like stuff like that too so i'm like if i can make videos that are interesting for that that would be just a good exercise
1: who are your favorite musicians I really like. Uh you can name really famous people. You don't have to say all these. No, I'm, trying to th- I'm just trying to think of who. I'm trying to think of who. Like I, I would
0: say is my favorite. I feel like, I feel like with. Do you feel me? Where like you're just listening to people at a certain point, and then you kind of move into somebody
1: else. Yeah, I think what I've realized lately about favorites lists is like. You, we should almost have a new favorite every year yeah. because like, you kind of change in life. Yeah,
0: exactly. And like,
1: like okay. Well, what do you like lately?
0: Right now, I love a Booty. I've been on her for like six months. I've been like. Oh, is she? Uh, yeah. 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 I found her recently. Yeah. She's great. She's awesome. She blew up with that Pau Fu song because she's like, the, don't fade away for too long. Don't go away. But. Her music is great and watching her career because she's like three – three years into like being like a big pop star pretty much yeah. like a big name out of the UK and like her earlier stuff is this really cute bedroom dream pop yeah but her last two projects are like straight up indie
1: artists like well, I she's got the band involved with her now and like her music videos got recommended to mm-hmm. me and I, they're really well done yeah. and I just remember thinking that it kind of reminded me of like Zoe 101 like early 2000s. yeah well she's got a she's got a y2k look to her
0: I actually worked with um some of her directors in their earlier videos I, like, produced a video for them. They are really cool people. They Who were, are like, they? Super... They're called Bedroom Projects. They had done, like, a lot of her earlier stuff. And they, uh, yeah, they'd done her earlier stuff. They did a video with, like, the 1975 and stuff mm. like that. And I had worked with them um, a few times. Oh, no, not a few times. I worked with them one time. I worked with them one time back in November. And it was cool. They were, they were really great. Sweet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What, uh, as far as, like, music you've really liked, like, since forever, like, has there been go-tos? like Yeah.
0: Before? I'm trying to think. Damn.
1: um I feel like it's, like, not forever, but it's, like, someone
0: always sticks around. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I think when I was really young, I really liked, like, 60s classic rock, and I would, like, still love Simon and Garfunkel. But then, like, if you ask me in the last five years, I feel like things, like, obviously, like, Frank Ocean have always been, like, stuck on me. Um, right now, it's, like, a lot of Brent Fayez. I really love Brent Fayez. I think his last album was really interesting. And, like, it felt like a really juicy drama. Um, I really like... I've liked Camo for a long time. Have you heard Camo? I don't know that he's one. He's, like, a hyper-pop artist. Okay. Um, and he he's, like, this really talented kid where he can make a really beautiful, dramatic, um, like, reflective pop song. And then he makes, like, a bop. Like, a summer bop that you're, like... Feel like you're like running in a field listening to. And then he makes like a hype song where it's like you're just singing the hook and you're just having a good time. I've always loved his music a lot. I like this guy named Vlush, who's like a childish Gambino, Frank Ocean love child, mm-hmm. but he's like this 32 year old white dude cool. who blocked me once my Instagram got hacked, and I'm really sad about it. But like, <laughs> why were you? So it was the hacker sending crazy messages. Yeah, he was sending. Well, he was sending messages to everybody, and like oh, a lot of people. Wait, when you got
1: hacked, you were trying to get people to buy a Lamborghini. Well, oh not you, yeah, but no, but yeah, no. He, he was
0: like, I think it was like a Tesla or something like that, or a Porsche. Yeah. No, yeah. it was a Mercedes. He was he was pulling a Mercedes off a trailer. Yeah, that shit sucks. I remember
1: I I was like messaging back. Like yeah, like,
0: no, I know a lot of people were because I, I finally got my Instagram. Well, no, I,
1: I knew it was fake. I yeah, just I
0: just want. Fake. I was just having fun. Now, all <laughs> the all the people who I feel like like know me on a personal level. Yeah. When they got yeah. those messages, they'd be like, "Fuck you," or some of them would be like, "Give Lucas's account back." Oh, no, like, I was like, him. "How much ETH for
1: the Lambo?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? I was trying to like get him going. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> <fucking> hilarious. <laughs> I lost my digital wallet. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's crazy how often people get hacked lately. Yeah, it sucks. I we honestly like it's just if they get a gullible person
0: Then they're just in it. Well, you and know what? A, I'm a gullible person.
1: I uh, we know someone who their account got taken over and the hackers posted a deep fake selfie video really of her and they did her voice. Oh, that's weird. Because to replicate people's voice now, you only need like two sentences. Yeah,
0: and then you can just get... So you're fucked right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. So they can, they can replicate everything from I'm you, pretty huh? replicatable yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, because like, you, you release videos with all your podcasts, right? Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: You're yeah. done, bro. I, I think we're gonna to get to a point though where everybody will oh, be. totally. And, like, I don't know. I, I'm kind of. I have a bit of despair about the future of like deep fakes. I think we're just gonna to get to the point where we just don't trust most video.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's gonna be like one of those things where it's like you can kind of tell that it's not real. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you just can't be tricked by it. Like this guy who hacked me. He was like, he was. On, it was on another person's account. It was like a filmmaker out here, mm-hmm. and she had asked me questions in the past. So I'm like if you if you got like a phoenix-based filmmaker who's asking me a question like i'm gonna just fall into it i'm gonna do the benefit of the doubt just to help them out and sense. like so i'm like yeah no yeah and she was like can you help me get back to my instagram and like me being a gullible person <laughs> i was like i got you
1: and then i got hacked i think if anyone is ever asking you to purchase gift cards yeah or if anyone is ever asking get, you for can a you password help me reset? into
0: my account into my account can you random person yeah yeah,
1: that's where it's like call me. <laughs> Dude,
0: I told my mom about that. My mom's like sixty-seven; like she's kind of older, and she was like, "Why did you do
1: that?" And I was like, "Damn!" Like <laughs> I'm like I'm like this person is so not as aware of technology what, as me was like. Well, I found out recently, actually. There, there's a do you know the channel Kit Boga? No, he uh, so he's this guy who he's like very smart with technology. So he'll take on these like Indian call scammer people, really, and he will fuck with them oh, for yeah? upwards of like days. Oh, that's sick! Like because he has like a virtual computer and like a fake bank account. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. He can like really let them he waste is, their time. Yeah, and um, he was I was listening to an interview with him on H three recently, and he was saying that the demographic of people that get like they fall the the victims of these scam calls are the biggest demographic is actually like 18 to 35 it's really? not it's not old it's
0: people. not old people it's yeah well i feel like old people are like they're i mean they're just i feel like they're more wise to like most things kind of like that
1: well i think the thing that could be skewing the data is that if old people don't know that they got scammed they're not reporting oh, it that's fact so it might not even be totally accurate polling you know what i mean um second, sorry no you're good
0: No, you're good. I'll, I'll do something funny later. Um, so you're
1: <laughs> uh, so you were saying earlier you like really liked like 60s bands like Simon and yeah. Garfunkel. Do you ever look at like older music videos from back then?
0: Um, no, I don't really like a lot of them. Honestly, like yeah. I feel like uh, I like like music movies like the Beatles movies from like the 60s, and I love like Spike Jones music videos. Mm-hmm. But like I've done a few videos where people have come to me. from as a producer or as a director and they've came to me and they've been like i want to replicate like because like we're having this huge like pop punk like revival and they want to like do an homage to like a band from like the 90s or something like that and i just like i get like the the nostalgia core i honestly like i get the i get the nostalgia core around it but i don't really want i'm not interested in recreating that style I'm not interested I'm not too interested in like nostalgia core in general. Mm. like that's never been something that's like super
1: Well, I think nostalgia for nostalgia's sake can get it's too, too much can, butter on the popcorn. Well, it can feel kind of producty and yeah. I, I'm just very adverse to anything that feels like a corporate think tank that's trying to figure out what I like that's a, That's what I mean and like I, I don't know. I just feel like
0: like if I let, let's say I wanted to write a movie. And I wanted it to take place in the '80s. Then I'd have it look like the
1: '80s. But the beginning of that thought is not going to be the '80s. Well, what I liked about Jonah Hill's movie Mid Nineties is he—he he was saying in interviews that he was very adverse to like having nostalgia in it. Like he—he—he he, he is nostalgic. It's called Mid Nineties. Well, yeah. Well, he's nostalgic about that era, and that's yeah. why he's making the movie. But he said he wanted to more so. You know make it feel like what it was like To be that type of kid back then Rather than just just like shoving like You remember this yeah, you know back yeah. in people's faces Remember moon shoes like yeah. yeah and so like You know when they designed The older brother's bedroom Like the shot where it went over All of the CDs or whatever mm-hmm. I think he was saying like that was like the most Nostalgia porn that was in yeah. the whole movie you Well know? I
0: feel like again like When you do it like that it's great it's like I feel like there's a lot of films that take place in like the 50s and 60s that doesn't present like nostalgia core but it's like like I feel like Mad Men is a good example of that where you're like in the 50s and like there's a definitely romantic aspect to that time because everything was just so cut and clean yeah but at at least like aesthetics go you know what I mean but also like it doesn't feel like they're shoving like that down your throat you know what I mean
1: I've had an idea for a long time that maybe whenever I make a debut feature film, it would be a movie called 2007. And I kind of, I'm just very fascinated with that year. Yeah. And.
0: Well, I mean, that makes sense. How
1: old are you in 2007? uh, I would have been a sixth or seventh grader. Yeah. So you were like, what, 12? I was born in 96. You were born in 96? Yeah, 11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like a sixth grader. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, lately as an adult, I've had a lot of thoughts about like what it was like to be like. A kid growing up in the two thousands mm. um but I would want it to be more like a slice of life movie about like a family or like a yeah. kid or something like that, and I think it would be really cool to include certain elements, you know, but it's like you look at it is fun, but you look at how like stranger things right you know, mm. like season two in particular was just like eighties 80s, eighties 80s, yeah. like the new Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four yeah exactly just- see I didn't even watch
0: I watched the first season of Stranger things, and I was like, this is just not. This is just not me. I like I like sci-fi too, but I only really like sci-fi like I don't like I'm I'm not like Oh god, I feel like I sound so assy when I say this. Well, but like, like I don't like lore. Stuff. I don't like I don't really care that much about it. Like there's certain things I like about, it, but that's not again, it's not gonna pull me in. Like my favorite sci fi movies are movies like Arrival or Ex Machina, where mm-hmm. it's like these really particular situations that feel very almost like Dystopian, but like really close
1: dystopian towards like our timeline. Well, those are movies where the character where you could honestly get rid of the sci-fi elements and like the main points of those movies. Oh yeah, I think that they're very much so about like people and human. Exactly. Like like a humanist kind of sci-fi film is
0: definitely my favorite type. Yeah. And like I again, I like like I just watched Lord. I had a COVID back in February, and I watched Lord of the Rings for the first time. Mm -hmm. Those are fucking awesome movies. I Mm -hmm. watched them and I was like. Okay, I get it. Like, I get the hype. Like, am I going to watch them again? Probably not, unless maybe I have, like, kids one day or something like that. And I'm like, you should watch this. Because I didn't watch them as a kid, but I would totally... If I was, like, 10, I think I would have geeked the fuck out of those.
1: My favorite... Yeah, my favorite world-building type of fantasy stories, I would say, are The Last Airbender and Harry Potter. Oh, The Last Airbender. And, see, but I grew up on those, and I feel like I hit a good
0: mark with that. I'm just, like, like I never got into Game of Thrones because, like... As an adult, I have not been that interested in anything lore based. Like, I know, like, probably, like, I would say I, I still have, like, 90% of the Pokedex up to the Sinnoh region, like, in my brain because that hit me at that good age. Yeah. But now it's like, I don't know the rest of them because
1: I'm, I left that age. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so I'm, like, a little bit older than you. So Sinnoh was when I was in middle school. Yeah. And then Pokemon Black, I think, came out around when I was, like, a freshman or yeah, something. Yeah. So in high Pokemon school. Black came out. No, that can't be true, because I,
0: I was entering high school when Pokemon Black came out.
1: Oh, really? I think I... yeah. Pokemon Y came out when I was a senior in high school. So, Black and yeah, White... Yeah, that... Really? Yeah.
0: I don't know. Maybe Actually, maybe, because I think I was in seventh grade when... Heart gold and soul silver. Okay, maybe 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 I'm wrong with that. <laughs> no, you're good. Dude, but w- the point
1: is, is I I stopped playing after Gen really? Four, you know, like what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and like now I've I've been picking stuff back up. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, I want to get
0: back into it just because I feel like it's the only thing that gives
1: me real peace in this world. Is po- like po- playing. Mod? Yeah. Have you played Legends Arceus? No, is it good? Do you know about it?
0: I know about it. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, you know like, who actually showed me the trailer for that? Uh, fucking Jay. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, a year ago. He was over at my house. We were drinking beer, and he was, like... He told me about it. I was, like, what? He was, like, you got to check this out.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not alone. It wasn't a novel idea, but I've been wanting, like, a Breath of the Wild-esque Pokemon for, like... (laughs) Since Breath of the Wild. (laughs) I've wanted it since...
0: (laughs) I wanted it before it was, like, even a real idea. You know what I mean? Like, I just remember I was, like... Because, like, I feel like if you love Pokemon, like... I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was like, "This is bullshit! Like, why aren't Pokemon real? Like, that's like that yeah. was
1: like my mentality when I was a kid." I remember my mom one time ex- when I was like a little kid explained to me the idea of like infinite universes and like multiverse theory. Wow, that's and crazy! She was, you know, I don't know. We would we weren't like a religious household, yeah. You know? So it was some and I grew up watching Pokemon and Harry Potter. so arguably mm-hmm. like some you know fun lore stuff, yeah. And totally. Like, so we we would just talk about like cool ideas, and I remember one time she was telling me. Like, yeah, I had a college professor once who explained to us that the universe is infinite big. And so because of that, in theory, if you went far enough, you would find another Earth... Where probably have like, pokemon where there's other versions of us on it and you know and so she was basically saying like if you can imagine something there's like yeah. a possibility exists And i just remember thinking like man there's a version of of me out there that has pokemon that's and crazy. I was like i was like, like mad about it <laughs> yeah, like, why was this not me <laughs> yeah yeah exactly all right so what's
0: your favorite pokemon game and what's your favorite pokemon
1: well game is emerald and that's the correct answer. oh you're correct
0: that's like No, no, that's not the correct answer. This is the
1: most common answer. I feel like it's
0: just not, I feel like that's, Pokemon's not a correct answer because it's usually like, like. Okay, so how old were you when those games dropped?
1: We're in, okay. Hold on.
0: Like, like you were like. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Well, it's just that's what game came, that's what you came up with. Like, all
1: right, I will admit. Don't make Pokemon ride or wrong. <laughs> <This is like, laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, yeah, but I do yeah. think Emerald is just like so. It's lucky. cracked. I, I played it. a it's few so times. good. Yeah. It's so, yeah. So who's your who's your starter in Emerald? Mud, for sure. Oh, that's well, well, yeah. that I was like, my Well, i first one. The first yeah. time I ever
0: played it. I mean, ground and water. That's a good combo.
1: So, all right. So my favorite Pokemon as a kid was Bulbasaur. Really? Yeah, and like with the original one. That's a that's a that's a mid take. <laughs> he's just I don't know. He's cute. He's a good yeah, guy. No, no, I'm, I'm Favorite sorry. color is green. You know. Uh, there's, but um, and he's also number one. He first one. Yeah. Okay, but, uh, okay, but anyways, yeah, I love Bulbasaur as a kid, and uh, with uh, red and blue and gold and silver. So I watched the show. I had the cards, but mm-hmm. my older brother owned the games, uh-huh. and so he would let me play them, but but I wasn't allowed to hit save. So yeah. like I could I could mess around oh, but like damn. it was it was his game, you know what yeah. I mean? And so when Ruby and Sapphire came out, I was like fucking hyped because I was going to own my own Pokemon game and it was going to be in color. And so I got Sapphire and then from then on I got Sapphire, Ruby, Emerald. Like mm. I I was getting the duplicates even. Yeah, because you were like I just got
0: to do the different. Yeah. There's something about that game that like you're like I don't care that it's a little bit different. I'm willing to play it again. Well, cuz it's like different how. Like Getting diamond versus pearl. Oh right, Because yeah. right, like right. emerald is different. Because emerald is like it's it's like halfway through the game becomes different. You know. Well, what
1: every I mean? Pokemon game they release two that are basically identical, yeah. and then years later they make a third one, which is kind of like a rat remaster. Yeah, it's like they're
0: like okay, like. Like I was, I came up on Sinnoh. Like that was the first games that I played. Mm. My first Pokemon game ever that's was cool. Diamond. That's cool. I started with Chimchar. People give me shit for Chimchar. No, that's the right choice. You think so? Yeah, he's a fucking my, oh, my like best friend is a TurnTwig dire, like ride or die. I was too. going
1: over this with my, my roommate Mark. He's like very. He's like a very big Pokemon. Yeah. Did and, I
0: play Smash against him one time? Yeah. And he just like annihilated yeah, me. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember.
2: yeah. But,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but um, <laughs> um see, I can like see the edit in my head. Like, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cut to you, just but um, dude, okay. Here's my thing. I've had people tell me before that they don't like Chimchar and Infernape. I'm like, people, he's a fire monkey. Yeah. What's cooler than that? He's
0: what- he's fight. But people are like, the thing is, they're like, you got Charizard and you got Primeape, and it's like, whatever. Infernape is like you put them together. Infernape
1: is cooler than Blaziken, I'm saying it. That's fire. That's that's a fire take. But what, people people Blaz- are like that's a hot that's a hot take. I'm with you. Bro. I don't like, know. I think I mean listen, Blaziken is obviously amazing and shit, but Infernape is so cool. Can
0: I tell you something kind of personal? Yeah. When I was a kid I had a dream that I had a real life tour chick and I remember like seeing its feathers and being like, this is insane. And then I woke up and I cried for like a day because I was like, damn, it wasn't real. Like
1: my, my older bro. So I used to sleepwalk a lot as a kid. My brother. Okay, fe- hold on. Sorry again. No, you're good. It's a really good story. Is- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just keep getting <laughs> fucking phone calls. No, you're fine. Oh God, I'm,
0: I'm going to put this on do not disturb, and I hope something bad doesn't happen.
1: I'm going to act. Let's see if I can cut in. Okay. Let's see if I can, like, pull it off and, okay. like, pretend that that didn't happen. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to leave all this in. <laughs> no. What? So there was this one time when I was a kid, and uh, I sleepwalked a lot back then. Yeah. Apparently, I don't know if it was my brother or my mom, they found me in the living room. And I was, like, surrounded by, like, my baseball trophies. hmm this might be two different stories, but point is, apparently one time I was like sleepwalking and I was like, Vulpix, don't go. Like, I was yeah. like. <laughs> oh, man.
0: That's so sad. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing it in my head with like the music they would use in a Pokemon episode where you'd lose the Vulpix. You bye buy I mean? Butterfree. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, I okay, I had a fire red save and I was like, I'm going classic mode. I'm raising a Charizard. Mm-hmm. I'm raising a like a Golem." I'm raising a fucking Raticate and a Butterfree and a Pidgeot. Only two of those Pokemon made it. Really made it. It was the Charizard and the Pidgeot. Every one of those fucking downpour of you, like lack of like success.
1: You, you mean like you replaced them by the end? Or I what? just didn't use them. Like, uh, a, like yeah. first
0: off, Eradicate is the biggest piece of trash Pokemon <laughs> to ever exist. It, it has such a limited life source.
1: Well, the thing about replaying Pokemon um because so i got so diamond and pearl came out when i was like a sixth grader in like Mm -hmm. 2007 or so yeah
0: that i was in third grade when that came out
1: that's so crazy see i was in like third grade when like ruby and exactly so but that's
0: what i'm saying that's why emerald's the best to you you know what i mean platinum is my favorite and it's like shout out (laughs) shout out pokemon xd though
1: yeah (laughs) right like platinum is great i've been having okay i don't know if you'll relate to this or not but i feel like as a young adult it's been very easy for me to be nostalgic around, like, when I was, like, a little kid, like, in elementary school, Oh, right? yeah. And because of that, naturally, I get nostalgic around, you know, like, like you're saying, Game Boy Advance Pokemon, amongst yeah. other things. Yeah, Malcolm in the Middle, like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and if I'm not being nostalgic about that, I'll be nostalgic about high school, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, like, when I was becoming a person and having yeah. friends. And I think what that leaves is it kind of leaves middle school as this, like, almost lost era that I don't think about. Yeah. And now that I'm getting older, I'm 26 now, now it's like my nostalgia parameters are, like, shifting with me. So lately I've started to get, like, nostalgic about shit I liked in middle school for, like, the first time Mm -hmm. in my life. So I think where, like, I used to, like, you know, just love and romanticize Ruby and Sapphire and Emerald so much... This last year, I've been like really into like Diamond and Pearl and all the music from yeah. those games because the truth is, is like I was still a kid in middle school and I played Diamond and Pearl like a bunch of times yeah. and they were really good games. Like, I, in other words, I've spent a lot of my life in those games. I don't think about them too much. Compared- yeah, because they weren't they weren't like the they weren't the first one. Yeah, they were like the next one. But now that now that I'm getting older mm-hmm. and that's becoming more of like. Uh, does this make sense? Yeah. yeah. I,
0: I, fell, I fell out of love with video games, like, like as, like, a big part of my life in middle school. That was when I kind of started realizing that it's just not something I... Like, I, I'm at a point now where, like, I want to switch because that would give me probably fulfillment for video games for the next 10 years. It's all I need. You know what I mean? But, like... As I, every time you look at the camera, I'm like, this is just fucking ridiculous, but you um, got your own. I got, I got my own. Yeah, you're right. I should just start like, like, yeah, like, um, have fun. You want want (laughs) want laser fingers? (laughs) What was I going to say? Oh yeah. So I, that was when I was like really getting into like music and TV and things that I think I just liked a lot more. Yeah. And so like. I think the only video game. No, that. I mean, I still played video games in middle school, though, because, like, I fucked up GTA V, like, five times. <laughs> and, like, I played, like, uh. I still play. Po- I still. I always play Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Pokemon became, like, the scapegoat. Like, I'm just going to play this whenever I'm feeling, like, stressed out or I just want to play a game. It's like, very easy go to. Yeah, and course. what's cool is that, like,. As an adult, it's like now when I play Pokemon, I'm like, all right, like what's a Pokemon I just haven't tried yet? You know what I mean? Right. And that's like been a big thing. Like a later Pokemon that I love that I didn't know until I was probably like nineteen was Vaporeon. I love Vaporeon. You didn't I, know
1: Vaporeon as a kid? No,
0: I like I never I never had one. Like uh, I never I never trained with one and I'm like, oh wow, this is a great like you know with Vaporeon, like if you if your water Pokemon attacks you with water, you just heals it. Such a good, like, little, like, it's just shit like that. Back when Eevee
1: only evolved
0: into three, that was my favorite one. That was your favorite one? Yeah.
1: I was actually a Flareon fan, which is such a bad take because Flareon sucked. Flareon was two for me because I just, I don't know, Jolteon just, eh. Like, (laughs) I wasn't wasn't too into it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I really want to play black and white because those are like the final ones where it was like, you know, small pixel art. And, oh yeah. And I've actually heard a lot of the most common Pokemon games I've heard be considered best are Emerald, Black and White, and then the Heart Gold Soul really? Silver. Really? I've heard I've heard that
0: Black and White was like I've only heard negative things about Black and White.
1: Well, I've been getting I've been getting a lot of Pokemon content on TikTok lately. Oh uh, yeah. And when Black and White stuff comes out, I see in the comments Gen Z kids saying this game was hated so much when it came out, but it's one of the best ones. It's actually one of the best ones. I wonder. Yeah. Huh. I love the Heart Gold
0: Soul Silver remakes, which I think they did that so right because I feel like doing I mean, it where like I I didn't play Johto League at all until no. I was probably like eleven or twelve because I didn't have like gold and silver and stuff, and then on top of that making the Kanto region games, which I feel like had already been redone with like the Fire Red and Leaf Green but doing it where they're really difficult and they're like high-end like gyms. Yeah. I think that was such a cool idea.
1: Well, yeah, what was really cool about Gen 2 is like when you beat Gold and Silver, you can travel back to to Kanto and then go through Red and Blue, and they've never done that again since. That was such a good way to just re-release. They didn't do it with the Hoenn re-releases? There's never been
0: another game where you can go to another region. Did you play the Hohen re-releases? Yeah. Nah? Man. You'd rather just play Ruby Sapphire, okay? What about the? Did you play the? Did you play the the Sinnoh re-releases?
1: Um, I don't even
0: know if I would touch
1: those. You know, I actually a lot of people hate the Chibi art style. I liked it. Oh, Where, me too. I've, you, you, yeah. So the thi- here's what I like about it. Now that Pokemon, they're kind of making it more like, Zelda-looking, you know, yeah. where you're, like, a full-scale person. They had to go through this awkward phase uh-huh. where... That was
0: with the X and Y games, too, right? Yeah,
1: X and Y was the same art style as the Ruby Sapphire remakes, uh-huh. and it was, like, kind of this a little bit of an odd in-between. Yeah. I actually liked X and Y, but when it came to the remakes for Ruby and Sapphire, I just felt like, ah, I can just be playing the original that's kind of better. Mm-hmm. And um, and I feel like they've also been kind of progressively making a lot of Pokemon games easier, and so with the yeah. Ruby and Sapphire remakes, they were a bit easier, which was annoying to me. And so that's upsetting because that's upsetting. Cause Soul Silver and
0: Heart Gold were fucking difficult, and those were remakes.
1: Yeah, um, like they made them challenging. As far as the Diamond and Pearl remakes go, I kind of liked that mm-hmm. they they had it in their head like, okay, we're gonna remaster these with like newer graphics, right? And instead of completely changing the art style and making it like a full size person, and you're like running mm. around in Sinnoh. I like that they kept all the proportions the same and yeah. everything's tiny as if it's sprite art, but then it's like modern, like 3D models. Yeah. And I know that I get, I totally get why, like as a taste thing, some people just don't like the way how chibi stuff looks. I think it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't buy it just because I was already emulating, uh, platinum and I was like halfway through and I'm like, oh, well, what am I, I'm just going to start over for $60. You're playing that, uh, you're playing like the orange league or something. like Yeah. That, that's right? a fan made game. Can I, how'd you do that? I'll explain. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So I hacked my 3DS recently. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have it here. Let me grab it. So. I have a DS Lite. Can I do that? Maybe too I old? Don't, I don't know. Cause
0: uh, I would, I would do the fuck out of it. I want to play that game so bad. So. What? It's called the Orange League, right? Yeah. Tracy's in
1: that, right? Yeah. So yeah. I have a 3DS XL, and essentially I put a 128 gigabyte SD card in here. And you can just follow this guide online. Okay. And actually, this, this is very important because if you don't do this soon, you'll never be able to in the future. they got to take it down. So here's what's going on. The, you're more or less installing all this, like, custom firmware that you can get online. Yeah. It's very easy. You just follow a guide step by uh-huh. step. The thing is, is the way it works is you have to download a free game from the 3DS store. Nintendo is closing the 3DS store permanently soon, so if you don't download this free game, oh, I don't think I can probably do this because they don't got the Nintendo Store on the DS Oh, uh, okay. Then I get yeah. Well, ju- just to finish up for anybody who's curious, now you've opened this can of worms. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so basically, you follow this guide, you install this custom firmware, and it makes it to where now you can like go on a website and download like ROM files of like every 3DS game, every Game Boy game ever. And since I have 128 gigs, like I'm not running out of space anytime uh-huh. soon. So I just have tons of games on here. But what's cool is that people make, like, fan-made games, you know? So I found Pokemon Orange Islands, where um, in the show, uh, Season 2 is where Ash goes to the Orange Islands, you know, with Misty and Tracy. And what's cool is that that region doesn't exist in the games. It was, like, a completely, like, show-invented inven- yeah, No, but
0: I was in it. That's where Pokemon 2000 was in,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah, like- it was really cool. And that's, yeah. like, it was a completely show-invented place. And so, some fan created a completely functional game where it's in the same art style as a mm-hmm. uh, Gen three, so uh, like Ruby, Sapphire, FireRed. That, that was directly after the Kanto seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, before Johto. Yes,
0: I feel like that 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 show also showed off Pokemon that just weren't really talked about in like the earlier seasons of the Kanto region.
1: Oh, guy. my bad. <laughs> um, yeah, the the Orange Island season did something interesting where like. They had an episode where they went to an island and all the Pokemon were pink because they were eating berries and yeah. turning them pink. So in the game, the way it works is you you play as Ash and you go and you're playing through the plot of the show. Do you have his Pokemon? Like, so if you go to Professor Oak, you can pick them up. Yeah, it's really sweet. Oh, that's cool. It's really sweet. Oh, I want to. Th- I want to play this game. It's real. You can so cool. you just get it on PC. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Just cool. using an emulator. Yeah. Really easy. Oh my god! I
0: have a PC. That's great. I, I have a PC for the first time in like the last well, six months. Well, any computer. You could do it on a Mac. Yeah, but PCs are like, yeah, they're like, Mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be. I was like one of those all Mac kids because I like grew up like editing videos on Final <laughs> Cut Pro and stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah. And then I met a bunch of real gamers because I wasn't a gamer when I was a kid. I was a theater boy. Right. And then all my friends became like, ex Minecraft gamers, mm. and they were like this is how computers work and i was like you guys know
1: what's up like <laughs> yeah so my thing about like pcs versus macs is like the macbook is like my favorite laptop yeah i don't know i know it's weird because in theory it's it's a computer why would it be different between just being on your lap versus on your desk i don't know why i like using a laptop macbook for like very simple things. Yeah. Like just going on YouTube and like even I like Photoshop on a MacBook a lot because of how big the track is. I actually do too, yeah. But when in general when it comes to like doing like big stuff on a computer, like maybe running After Effects or like, you know, Blender and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, since you're building it from scratch, you can, you know, buy really powerful parts and like get like a really powerful computer. Yeah. I feel like years ago before the market exploded, you could get a PC that costed less, less. You get a PC that costs less than a Mac, and was more powerful. Yeah, I
0: think you could still buy a PC that would be less than a Mac. Yeah, I especially an iMac. Like if you're going PC to iMac, totally. Yeah, iMac's I like six thousand dollars if you want to get oh, it. Like really, I didn't if, know that. If you want to get a good specked out, like dude. Okay, so like I actually need to get a new laptop right now because my my laptop monitor is like fucked up and i want to get another macbook because i'm on the same page as you i have a pc i would never buy an imac but i really like the macbook laptops i am thinking about switching over just because it's like fucking laptops are also like what's gonna break easier a laptop or a pc a laptop's gonna break easier yeah. you know what i mean yeah but um i've just been pricing them out first off macbook pros are already like 600 dollars above your average windows laptop mm-hmm. easily if you want to get like when I'm saying like a good one, like for me, I would get like a terabyte SSD and like yeah. at least sixteen gigs of RAM, like.
1: Well, J- Josh Belleville, he I remember he years ago got like an Asus laptop that was like really souped up, yeah, and it was like working as well as this PC, but yeah. now, but that was like 2015. So Tom- like Tommy has a Razor right now that he can,
0: and he got the he got that laptop because you know he's like deep in that After Effects shit, so he was yeah. like,
1: I'm gonna get a laptop that I can like really edit on. Something I need to talk to Tommy more about is Adobe, like, sucks right now. It's crashing and slowing down, like, so yeah, much. Yeah,
0: yeah, no. Does I, he complain about this? You know, I am i don't mean to speak on his behalf, but what I, I do know his opinion on this, where he's so deep into After Effects at this point that he's not, and he's, like, not, he's not, like, just an editor. That's just one of many well, yeah, things of he does. So his whole thing is, like, I'm not going to deal with this. Like, I, he's, like, I don't care even if it's crashing. Because it would just take him too much time to like relearn a software. So I think he feels it, but he just doesn't. He knows the software so well, he doesn't really care that much. But like Matt, my friend Matt, it'll who does VFX editing, huh? <laughs> so it'll get to no, you. No, <laughs> totally, totally. My friend Matt, who does like a lot of VFX editing, he's like completely done with After Effects, yeah. and like I have a bunch of other friends. I don't think I would leave it because I'm not a mo. I'm not. I'm not a VFX editor. Mm-hmm. I edit for like I cut, and yeah. then I use Photoshop. So I'm like, this is still the best software for well, me. Well, see, I've used Photoshop. I like Adobe and, Fonts too. Mm, I think Adobe yeah. Fonts and, and color wheels are
1: really helpful. I, I've used Photoshop and Illustrator since like I was a middle schooler. Yeah. And so that makes bringing those things into After Effects really easy. Exactly, yeah. After Effects, I think, is like really great for motion graphics. Um, and then as far as it comes to like all this stuff, all the other like more like cgi type things i do in after effects um sure it can be a powerful tool i mean that's why i use it but lately i feel like and honestly premiere in my opinion has been worse than after effects but for me at least performance has just been super down lately and i've been kind of like tommy where i haven't wanted to totally like stop all my work to learn a whole new thing But I've been kind of considering it because uh, my buddy Michael Scott, who's like the best visual effects artist I know, he does like really crazy 3D stuff and like Blender and like all, all these other programs, you know. He grew up on After Effects, like that was his shit. Yeah, and he like he doesn't even have it installed on his computer anymore now. Really? Like, yeah, because like a lot of a lot of people between uh, he uses Nuke as well. Yeah, all these other programs are like node based editing. Yeah, yeah. And even uh, I,
0: I know DaVinci's not node based, but it's like node animated no, or something. It, it is. Yeah, is it node based? I though? think it's like a different way. Well, of doing I'm thinking it, bl- Blender's not node based, but there's no. Like, it is. Oh, is there really? Yeah, yeah. Matt was showing me something the other day, and it was like it had like node. Commands or something. I honestly, this is above my pay grade. I don't no, know that's shit okay. About I this. mean, I don't even know like a ton. Yeah, I, I
1: use DaVinci and well, you do use DaVinci for coloring mostly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But DaVinci now has Fusion, which is a visual effects yeah. program within it, and so. My, I think, like, I've heard Michael and a lot of other people make the argument that, like, you can do compositing using, like, node-based workflows, and so in theory, people could composite the way they are in After Effects but, like, in Fusion or Nuke or Blender, mm. you know? And so there's a lot of people now who are, like, wanting to just kind of completely move their yeah. workflow away from Adobe. The big thing Michael was telling me is that, like, after effects is still so great for motion graphics yeah and, and he doesn't do as much of that as i do so that's where it's like for me it makes sense to keep using it totally but i know
0: uh, i know dylan wants to do i think he's just completely on da Vinci now because he since he's like a pretty much just a, mostly a full-time dp and colorist it's like He doesn't really edit that much
1: anymore, Mm -hmm. but he's
0: like, if I were to edit, because he still wants to direct projects, but he's like, if I were to edit, I would just edit in DaVinci.
1: I want to learn how to edit videos in DaVinci more, because I use Resolve for color grading uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like the only thing I've color graded in since 2015. Uh, But as far as like doing my primary edits, I do that in Premiere and lately premiere has just been dog shit for me yeah and i'm actually in the process of uh building a new computer i got all my parts in the mail and excited yeah i'm so excited because my current pc i've had since 2015 yeah this new one like we're souping up to be really powerful um and so and once i build it I'm curious to see if Premiere still sucks or not. Yeah. Because what Michael was explaining to me is that DaVinci Resolve uses GPU power like more than Premiere does. So if you have like a really nice graphics card, it'll like supercharge Resolve and Blender while Adobe won't be utilizing it. That's
0: what's going on with Matt. He has a really nice graphics card, but like it doesn't compensate for like the problems that he still has in After Effects. Yeah. Which I've seen because we've been working on like two projects recently and like he's been getting them done but his render times so i can see the clips that's like a whole thing that i'm trying to get a lot better about is like i'm learning that like even though i'm a director i've been handling logistics of filmmaking for so long that vfx and explaining vfx and going over that is such a that's like the that's like the most humbling experience i think for filmmaking for me it's the thing i don't understand the most
1: you know, something I was thinking about recently is that I think anybody who wants to be a director or a cinematographer, especially like in Hollywood, I think you're kind of doing yourself a disservice if you don't learn about visual effects to a certain extent. Yeah. And, and my, my main reason on thinking of this is like, I think there's a lot of types of filmmakers who they like, you know, like filmy film film stuff you know and they don't necessarily want like all this like cgi right yeah but the more and more we move into the future the more movies that you wouldn't even think have cgi yeah. do
0: it's just such an easy fix and error and like or
1: or just an additive a lot of the times so yeah it just
0: submerges it more
1: it, no i can i completely agree I, I think because of this if you are going to be directing or shooting mm-hmm. for cgi you should have some sort of familiarity on like how to set it up and communicate best with the VFX team. Yeah. Because there was that documentary life after Pi where the VFX team who won the Oscar for life of Pi was like their company was going under because the CGI industry is actually like really exploitative. Um, yeah. And dude, it, I mean like I'm going to
0: be honest with you right now. Like anybody I've paid to do any VFX for me, I've grossly underpaid them. And like, it's not because I want to, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just because yeah. like, I'm not making a whole lot of money in the first place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just a lot. of, It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours. And that's that's what made me so not into it. And I, I've done a few things in After Effects. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of motion graphics when I was younger. And yeah. I was like really doing everything on my own. Now I'm like, I go to my VFX artists when I, get, when I come up with the idea for the video. Yeah. I'm like, hey, can we do this? And i feel like almost every time i don't consult them if i like let's say like you're on set you gotta come up with an it fix for a fly or something like that like you got to just fix some shit in that moment usually when i go to my vfx artists i feel like there's always something that i just didn't do yeah and it's not and i feel bad because i'm working with my friends who are on a fixed rate that i'm giving them and they know i don't really got any more money and then and they're like dude <laughs> Like, like you couldn't have filmed you, it this like, way. You just you really just like took 10 hours of my time and i was like <laughs> fucking jesus christ like it's really crazy how the smallest thing mm-hmm. can then like add hours what, what i will say is nice is that my producing experience is i produce videos for tommy you know what i mean who's like probably one of the most like deep edit what' i say like that like one of the most knowledgeable editors i know especially in like the diy vfx space mm-hmm. and like That has made it easier for me to understand the principles of things, but I think I really needed to hone in on that because it's like I feel like Dylan has a better understanding of VFX than I do because he's shooting for it while I'm prepping for it, which isn't there's
1: not a lot, honestly, to think about with VFX. Well that's the thing. I don't I do a little bit of visual Mm -hmm. effects, but not that much. I do it mostly because I don't have a team the way that you guys do. I have a bunch of friends who do amazing things and I try to work with them when I can, but because like I didn't like start a company with other people, yeah. It's like a lot of time I, I go into a project thinking I'm going to have to do everything. And then I try to bring in people as much as I can because I've been working with like almost no budget. And yeah. It's just, like you said, it gets kind of complicated, like paying people properly when you don't have a budget. Well, it's
0: it's just shitty because you get into this weird situation where you're like, look, I know you're worth more, but I don't have that much. Mm-hmm. And then also I wanted to say this to you earlier. So the whole thing with Overcast, the reason we were able to like function that way was that it was basically job assurance. Like, I will get, like, if I get paid work, you're going to be on this if you help me out with the free stuff, which I still think is a pretty effective method. It's just hard because everybody's taking an L at a certain point, but it's in the regard of a, a bigger game. You know what I mean?
1: Well, since you guys were doing it in, like, a banded together way, I assume that kind of formed, like, a we're in it together kind of up. Yeah, yeah, right? well, it did,
0: and it's this whole idea that, like, you know, everybody eats mentality, you know what I mean, where it's like, all right, look, like, if we go up, all we're going to do is pay each other more. You know what I mean? And honestly, I feel like for my group of guys, we're still kind of in that. It's just we're not operating as just one entity anymore. We've right. kind of just severed but still are kind of functioning with the same system. You know what I mean? Do you want to talk about that? I mean, like what do you mean? Like,
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, like have you guys like made an announcement?
0: Uh, no, I don't I don't think that there's like anything to talk about yet as far as that okay. goes. Like it's yeah. like it's just like a we're like I feel like everything is just super in between. I'm starting my own thing, but that's that's regardless of yeah. of, of like what's the, what's situation the thing? With what's the thing so I'm starting a I'm starting a company, uh, a production company that I want to market more as a creative agency because I don't want to do a YouTube channel because okay. I don't think uh I think I'm kind of similar to you where I like doing a bunch of things mm-hmm. and I think that for the way I want to go about it, especially since I'm a producer, having a YouTube channel wouldn't really be the best for it. I want to start a creative agency. I want to call it after school program and I'm going to release it. I'm going to like launch it next year. I have like my logos kind of getting figured out right now and stuff like that. But like the idea is that basically it's just a production company where everything that I produce and direct goes underneath it. And I want to focus primarily right now on like music videos and then like product commercials. I'm actually shooting a commercial like next week. Mm It'll be like my, my spec commercial. And then Everything I'm doing narrative-wise, like, my TikTok stuff, I'll kind of just have it underneath that a little bit. Yeah. But I'm kind of, um, I like being a character. Like, I really enjoy that. You That's, mean, like, acting? Yeah. Like, like well, not as much, like, like, doing the fucking Donald Glover, Atlanta, Woody Allen kind of thing. Where it's, like, you're, like, you're, you've created a character. And, you know, like, there's, like, I'm at a point with, like, my TikToks where, like, even though there's not a lot of them, I've done them enough times to be, like, I know what that Lucas would do. And I like thinking that way. I like being like this Lucas would be a lot more paranoid or this Lucas would be like basically like the Lucas that I put in my TikToks is like the Lucas that smoked too much weed and smoked too many cigarettes. And now he's just freaking the fuck out. Like
1: are you saying uh, like you're playing like a exaggerated version of yourself and your content? Yeah, exactly. I'm playing like
0: an exaggerated version because like. I started realizing that, like, the thing I can talk about the most and the thing that I feel like people relate to the most is just when I'm, like, freaking out. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, because I feel like I can articulate it well. So then it's, like, now Mm -hmm. I'm, like, as I started doing it more, I was, like, oh, this is my, like, this is, like, almost a rendition of myself, like Mm -hmm. an edited, uh, overly dramatized version. And I kind of want to keep that separate because I feel like there's a whole thing I could do
1: with that, but the business would be under that under after school right. program so if you doing a production company like that um where you would be making music videos and then like product commercials and stuff like that which is a pretty good way to have consistent work if it mm. goes well yeah um with you saying you don't want to do it as a youtube channel does that basically mean like you'll be directing and producing stuff for people but it's kind of like you don't really care about being the distribution i think
0: i care in like i think what i've understood about branding
1: is that i'm not
0: interested in doing like a lyrical lemonade overcast platform where i'm like making videos and it goes on this youtube channel i would rather just be almost like if i'm doing stuff for music videos i'd rather it be more of a like quieter creative collaboration where like i'm helping build artists Mm -hmm. and you just start seeing like my logo on the beginning or ends of their videos but we're keeping it on their channel and we're building them there It's just, it's, it's less work in an area that I don't want to do. Right. And then like, cause in my head, I'm like, if I'm going to build a brand, I'm going to build a brand around me. I'm not going to do it around artists because of kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like Mm -hmm. most of my, honestly, at this point, I'd say like 30 to 40% of my best friends are artists, but like they all have their own path and their own way about going about things. When I'm working with them, I'd rather just help them and try to not guide them because like, it's like a, there's this quote where it's like, I don't remember who said it. It wasn't Marlon Brando because he had a bad habit of it. But it's like, help the director make his movie. If you don't help the director make his movie, it's not going to be good. (laughs) He did not say that. I don't know why I think Marlon Brando, but he definitely didn't say that. But yeah, help the director make his movie. That's like the whole idea. And to me, it's like, I have all these ideas for like the way I would pitch myself on TikTok, the way I would pitch videos, the way I would do this stuff in ways that artists don't really fuck with. And also like... And then I like I I used to get frustrated and now I'm like that's fine I'll just do that for myself and then I'll just help out other people and also I think it's the producing aspect the fact that like I've been a full time producer for like two and a half years and like mm-hmm. I do love producing because I like producing for directors that can do things that I don't think I'm capable of and so it's like but I need that under my production company because it's still produced by me you know what I mean mm. and like that makes me be like, okay, I shouldn't really be running a YouTube channel, but maybe just a creative agency
1: with like I a website and stuff. Yeah. yeah. See, the main reason I've done tall skeleton the way I have is because like when I finished film school, I just knew that I really wanted to just get right into making a bunch of things yeah. and like my own things, you know, even if that was like a music video mm-hmm. for an artist. Um, but I wanted to approach them just the same way I would if I was directing a short film, you know, yeah. it's really good and take it seriously as filmmaking. And, My thought was that, you know, through film school, I was putting all my stuff on Vimeo and my personal website, and I don't think that there was any way to really gain traction from those things. I think I was putting a little bit too much stock into, like, staff picks on Vimeo. And, like, these these kind of film collegiate things. And my thought was, like, well, where do people find cool stuff? And it was, like, YouTube. And so I just thought, like, if I I make something, like, I'd just like it to be in the same place as all the other stuff I make. Mm -hmm. And so now I've kind of created this content family of things that are very different from each other but in, in theory if you like one you would like the other you know and so i really like having like this family of stuff i make but i'm not as concerned as like youtubers about putting out like my my weekly or monthly yeah. quota you know i think
0: and i mean i feel like you've naturally gained an audience at this point too where you're like people are starting to really catch on to the vibe i think i just I almost like the idea of like having a place from certain things mm-hmm. kind of like you, but like not at all being the same place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I also think that it's kind of, I like, um, I always love discovering when an artist that I like did another piece of work and I didn't know they were affiliated with it. Yeah. Or even like, um, do you know, like John H. Benjamin, mm-hmm. the guy who plays Bob and Bob's burgers, mm-hmm. you know, his jazz album. <laughs> I forgot about, I don't that. know how to play piano. <laughs> I forgot about when that. you find out about stuff like that that's fucking awesome right yeah. like you're like that's so sick that he did that like why the fuck and i think it'd be cool if somebody who became a fan of my directing stumbled upon my tiktok yeah. and was like instead of it being like this this is after school program mm-hmm. but then you're like oh i like this guy lucas om i've seen a few of his videos like he's cool and then you go on tiktok and you look up my name and yeah. it has nothing to do with these music videos
1: it's like yeah yo this is his whole other thing that he's trying to do yeah no that's a good point be-
0: But that's just that's just the way. No, no, no. It makes sense. It's
1: it's a little tricky for me because I've had that same joy a lot. Because like when I was in high school, I was just like very into Donald Glover's comedy and Community and and Gambino, and I I was just very impressed and inspired by a person that could do all these different things. Mm -hmm. So every time I found like another layer to his career, like oh, he also has these YouTube comedy sketches. Yeah, it was really cool connecting all those threads the way you're describing. I guess as I've gotten older, I've cared a little bit less of being the detective who puts it all together. And I kind of thought, like, can I do the work for people and just put it all in one place? Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And, And that's where it's been exciting for me getting comments sometimes on a music video or a podcast where they're like, I came here from a video essay or I came here from this. And, yeah. and I'll get people saying, like, it's crazy you make this too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I like that too because sometimes
0: in my TikTok comments, there will be people who are like, aren't you in an Overcast? And right. then like, that's like a cool feeling to be like, oh, yeah, like you know me from one thing and now you're seeing me in another. And, I, again, I feel like it can be explained to people in different ways. I just like – I don't love – I think the thing is with music videos is like I don't like – I want to make music videos. I like doing it. I think I'll always do it, but I'm just so not I've done a lot of music videos at this point. And even though I didn't direct all of them, I've done them. I'm I've, I've I've done like crazy shit with them, and I'm just not as interested in building that anymore. I'd like to leave that to at a certain point, and that's why I'm not really attached to the idea of like Having these music videos be on a channel, mm-hmm. it's like if I could like I, I literally told Tommy this the other day. If I got some guy to invest in me on TikTok and said I'll give you a million dollars make TikToks for a year, or I'll give you five hundred K make TikToks for a year,
2: uh-huh.
0: I'd do it. That's I'd be way more interested in doing that. I would drop like I would drop like every video I work on right now yeah. and just make TikToks because to me I figured out how to do it where it's like making TikToks is like making videos. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just
1: do you get a lot of creative fulfillment out of it?
0: I get way more creative fulfillment out of it than I have anything else I've done in the last two years.
1: That's interesting.
0: Because it's like, I'm super inspired by the Neistat brothers. They're two of my yeah. favorite filmmakers ever. I feel like that's, if you watch my TikToks, that can be kind okay. of apparent. That makes yeah. a lot of, yeah.
1: so is it? Well, when you're doing TikToks, you kind of have to figure out how to do something with like small resources mm-hmm. and you're kind of just like making something out of nothing yeah. to an extent. Is, is it that? Because, I love that. I love that. Yeah. stats are very just yeah brass tacks. It's make
0: something out of nothing. It's not deal with all this bullshit that comes with like working with people and doing things. And yeah. Fucking just, I don't know. There's just so much bullshit that comes with it that I just am not like interested in. Like, yeah, I got more excited. I'm more, I'm way more excited about how the, the capabilities of something is, than if it's nice i got a lens kit for my iphone it's got a telephoto lens and a macro and a wide angle and like a couple of fucking you know whatever filters Mm -hmm. that's cooler to me than a set of anamorphic lenses (laughs) because i'm like wow i can just throw these on and go outside and make a movie with them and like it's because you can just kind of just just fucking do it yeah exactly and it's like getting people motivated or like when people don't want to do something especially at like like, I've been getting paid to do this, but I'm scra- I've am i been scraping by the last couple of years so that I can make, like, being an artist a full-time thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, getting... Nobody's going to care about your project as much as you do. So, if you can isolate your project down to, like, pretty much you most of the time... Like, if you watch some of my TikToks, like, some of them are, like... I'll have, like, some of my friends in them just as characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, it's so minimal effort. It's, like, just all about me. And I like that because not, like, a, it's, like, all about me. I'm kind of an attention whore, though, like... I like it because it's like, I can just crunch them out. Yeah.
1: I can just like do them. Have, have I talked to you about uh, the filmmaker Joel Haver before? No. I'm kind of a broken record with this guy, so I apologize. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, I like, I like what he does a lot. Okay. So, so he's like our age, or I, I'm a little bit older, I guess. But he's probably we're the same age. Yeah, we're the same age. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's like 26 or so, right? Uh-huh. He, uh, he's from the East Coast, went to film school, got cool. out. He's very uninterested in being in like the film industry and being like a grunt who has to work his way up for years. So a few years ago, he started putting out a short film once a week, and he has never missed a week in the last like three or four years. I think
0: you've actually told me about this. I've heard you talk about it before.
1: So essentially, most of his short films are comedy sketches, but he's very intentional to still call them that. And he's also put out like eight feature films on his YouTube channel. That he made himself. That's sick. And the way he does it is there's no script and there's no lighting. So he does he relies on a lot of wide shots and a lot of improv and a lot of natural available light. I bet they're awesome though. That's the thing is like when it comes to his comedy, I think it's like consistently hilarious. Yeah. I think he's just a very talented comedian and improviser. But then I, I've watched a few of his features and I think that they're actually very compelling. And it's like, sh- sure, when you do filmmaking that way. You're you're gonna be a little bit limited to a certain style, yeah. But it's the style he likes to do, so that doesn't matter that's in his case. And I and the the thing about him and this like general spirit is that he likes filmmaking so much that he doesn't want anything to stop him. So he that's very much how I feel yeah. about my TikTok stuff. Is yeah, I don't I don't want to like you just want to be able to make something.
0: Yeah, and that's that's why I love like the NyStack nice Bros because they they were kind of like that. And I almost like the I I like busting down on glorification of things and I think every time Casey Neistat refers to one of his fucking YouTube vlogs as a movie mm-hmm. I think that's important because I think it makes people understand that like hey like it doesn't have to be this flashy shit yeah I would much I I would much rather watch his or have you ever seen his brother's YouTube channel Van Neistat no but I, I know yeah. he's a guy it's awesome <laughs> it's awesome it's like really more in that it's in that DIY core filmmaker stuff that I love that shit I think it's mm-hmm. so cool and like but yeah, it's like all about making it so that nobody can stop me from doing it. And like I also just like I like doing things that people get annoyed with. I genuinely love that. Like how do you mean? Like that? I love that I'm like making like I'd make a whole fucking short film on my phone vertically. Like I'd like to do that and I like that it bothers people that I'm not utilizing all of these tools that I even have access to.
1: Like now let me ask you just for curiosity do you like it because you know that even though it's vertical it's still good or is there a little bit of a troll part of you that just likes that people are annoyed uh, i think it's both <laughs> honestly because like i like i do like
0: like i like pushing people's buttons a lot okay. like i've just always been that guy yeah which is can get me in trouble just kind um, of a sneaky guy yeah yeah i just i i just don't i don't like it when people tell me that there's like one way to do things yeah and yeah. that that shit makes me mad. Like I dropped out of school. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I was like, I went, I was in film school. And my screenwriting teacher was like, you have to follow the eight structures of storytelling. And I was yeah. like, all my favorite movies don't follow that. Why the fuck am I here? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and then you can get a job at the sci-fi network, working part time as a writer. And I'm like, that sounds like the fucking
1: worst thing ever. Yeah. See that that's kind of why I've done what I've done is because I just kind kind of similar to what Joel described and kind of what you're getting at is like I. I just didn't love the idea of, like, you're supposed to move to L.A. and be a peon for a decade. And and then someone maybe will grant you the wish of making what you want to make. And I was like, well, I have stuff I want to make now, and I know a lot of talented people, so I'm just going to start. And my thought was like, well, I have to... If I'm going to make this stuff, I want people to be able to see it. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to, like, empower myself to make better things and scale over time. And so my thought was, like, a YouTube channel or, like, a brand would be a good way to do that because I thought people would care more about an organization than, like, just some guy named Zane. And my thought is that if they really like stuff that's on Tall Skeleton, like, if they really liked it, they would look into it and realize, like, oh, this guy Zane is the one who's making it. Yeah. But... And so... Yeah, I've just wanted, kind of similar to you, I've just wanted to be able to make things, and I think where I've been so impressed with what you and Tommy are doing is that, like, you, you guys are local guys, you know, you're just people in the neighborhood mm-hmm. like me, and you guys... Tommy's not from here, but... Oh, well, what, yeah. well, he, he lives here. Yeah, he's lived here for fucking, like, three years now. So okay, yeah, well, yeah, whatever, yeah. but yeah, the point right. is, is like, you know, not some, like, nepotism child from L.A., right? No, yeah, You guys no, are yeah, just normal, like, totally. millennial Gen Z guys, and... I've seen you guys scale to working with, like, bigger and bigger artists. And, like, I assume with that comes, you know, maybe bigger budgets and stuff. And I saw that you guys recently were just, like, traveling all across the country and, like, you know, doing different videos in different states. Like, like several, like, a lot lately, yeah. right? You know, you were just in Chicago and L.A. and New York. Yeah. And I think for me, like, I think my biggest enemy a lot of the times is, like, thinking too small Mm -hmm. and self-doubt because I think a lot of the time because I don't really have a budget or I don't know exactly who's going to help me on these projects I start thinking like how can I manageably make something yeah or or how can I it's a producer's curse I get the problem
0: because I I came from coming up with ideas from videos after doing videos logistically for two years
1: yeah and so I want to ask you about that just like you having that producer brain and how you have gotten to this point where you guys are doing bigger and bigger stuff because and I know you're saying you kind of don't even care about it and you want to do stuff like TikTok that's like maybe easier and the opposite mm-hmm. but I guess like for me it's like I I I have these two conflicting paths yeah. where I want to do what you're describing where it's like I want to make easy quick fun stuff like yeah. like sketches with my friends right where, where I'm not thinking or trying too hard with it but then when it does come to, like, the filmmaking where, for lack of better words, it's, like, more serious or more produced, rather. Yeah. It's, like, I have been wanting to raise production value and stuff like that mm-hmm. and get into more, like, uh, advanced, you know, like, lighting setups and camera setups yeah. so it can have, like, production value or whatever.
0: Can, can I um, – let me – let me. okay. Yeah. I, th- I think I know how to explain. Can I explain to you my, my plan with TikTok? Like, my whole, yeah. like, yeah. evil, evil plan? Yeah. So I want to do – I want to get a show pitch on there. I wanna, you want to pitch a show I like, want to pitch TikTok? a show through TikTok, yeah. Just wanna, by doing proof of concept yeah, episodes? Yeah, exactly. By just making a fuck ton of like little bits and sketches. And I feel like right now it's a little weird because I don't think my content is necessarily like a TV show. Yeah. But I feel like it shows that I have an interesting voice. I have like, a lot of like familiarity behind the camera as well as in front of the camera, all that kind of stuff. So at one point or another, and also I feel like the way TV is right now is they're signing anything and everything, and they're (laughs) going to sign stuff off of popping platforms like TikTok and stuff. Yeah. To me, the thing is, is that I've been doing this independent stuff for so long, like, not so long, but I've been doing it for like two and a half, three years. You've been working a lot every day. Yeah, yeah. I've done like over a hundred music videos, you know what I mean? Like, So it's like, and I've hired people, and I've like fired people, and I've like hired like my friends and like I've paid people just the bare minimum and I'm like really sick of it because like you don't feel good you feel good about paying people and then after a year everybody just wants to do it full-time and then you don't feel good because you're underpaying the fuck out of people like I feel like your first short film or your first music video where you pay people it doesn't feel bad because you've been working for free with your friends or whoever for so long that finally paying them is really cool for both of you guys but then once like, you're paying people a lot and you're never really able to pay them that much, at a certain point, it just feels really gross because you're asking people to do a lot of work for you. And like, what I like now, and I like this a lot with the way me, Tommy and Dylan have been doing videos, where it's like, there's a point where like, in the height of Overcast, we were doing like, we had like, probably like an 11 man consistent crew and we were trying to get them all on, trying to pay them, trying to do all that kind of stuff. But then you, know, you start underpaying people because it's a lot of people and not a huge production. Now, it's like the main people are me, Tommy, and Dylan on our projects, at least as of recently. Most of the time, Tommy's directing them, doing VFX. I'm producing them. Dylan's shooting them. Sometimes the roles switch. I'll be producing, directing. Tommy will be editing, yada, yada, yada. But that's like the thing. With three people, we're making it a lot more sustainable for the three of us to keep our mouths fed. And at the end of the day, like, before all of this, I was making videos on my own. So was Tommy. So was Dylan. Me and Dylan have been making videos together since we were 15. So, like we can we can do it with the three of us and it feels better because we can actually pay each other it's still not as much as we need to get paid but we can pay each other a lot we can pay each other living wages you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so to me it's like yeah like up shit up but if the money's not there don't stress yourself that's the way that i look at it like the reason i'm trying to do this whole idea with a show pitch is like TikTok. I get popping off TikTok. I get some brand deals. I can start getting paid. But then at a certain point I can be like, yo, like who wants to take this to like a streaming platform? And then I can actually do it with their money. Yeah. That's my that's my approach to it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I think what's kind of unorthodox about what you're doing in a good way is that you you've been a part of this, you know, Uh, just just to congratulate yourself like a nationally recognized brand you know the youtube channel got a hundred thousand subscribers you guys clearly have fans from all over the country with like you know relatively rising artists you you know you guys did like a little music festival thing and that's like no small feat and you know you've been the producer doing a lot of the fucking planning and making a lot of this happen
0: i i honestly can't like at the end of the day like i was just i was like with with overcast the way I look at it is it was just experience for me like a lot of that was really like Tommy's ideas and stuff like sure
1: that. I, I mean listen I, I get that it's a team and all but just yeah. to give yourself some credit I mean as the producer you you have a lot to put together and you did a lot of work and now you're kind of you're still gonna be doing that sort of stuff it sounds like you know but in your own personal artistic fulfillment you're doing something you know with TikTok. Which, you know, some people might turn their nose up at, you know, because it's just frivolous social media. And what's funny is, like, between these two worlds you have, like, the polished, highly produced visual effects thing with, like, nice cinema cameras Mm -hmm. and lighting, and then the stuff you're doing on your iPhone... So actually this that you're looking at is like the golden ticket. To yeah, Th- that's really interesting. Well, it's
0: just at the end of the day, like I look up to the similar type people. Richard Linklater, for example. Yeah. Richard Linklater had the same mentality that you and I did, where I was like, I'm not gonna be a fucking camera PA in LA. Linklater was like, I'm gonna make movies in Austin, Texas. He didn't pop off for after doing it for like 12 years. But I see my friends who are in LA or in New York working on camera teams or working in production companies and doing that kind of thing when i'm talking to them we're kind of on the same page still we're kind of on the same level it's just a different industry i got a friend who works for a pretty big production company and she does like office work for them i have a friend who's like one of the best first acs in the music video scene out in la right now i feel like we're kind of on the same plane because even though i'm a director producer i'm not working on nearly as big productions as they are but i have a bigger role you know what i mean and i Mm -hmm. think it's all about choosing that direction When I heard Linklater did that, where he just made movies with his friends for years until something got noticed, I was like, "That's just much. That's just how I would rather spend my time." Yeah. It's also why I didn't want to leave Phoenix for so long, because I was like, "This
1: is such a great place to do that." That's what's been weird for me lately is everyone I know is leaving. Dude, it's it's fucked. And like I, I feel like. I'm like stop.
0: (laughs) I feel like I'm doing a. I feel like I'm doing a huge disservice by leaving, just because I feel like we need as many names out there as we can. We still haven't worked together on something. Yeah, I know we have. I mean, you kind of like assistant edited something for me at one point, but that was like that wasn't really. I mean, I I think I was on set for one of
1: your earlier music videos. I did the lighting for a Cordy video. Oh, the Eureka video. Yeah. No, 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 no. That uh, uh, Uma, Uma. Yeah. Yeah, it was And you were you were like a grip for me. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember Pete, that. Pete filmed it. Yeah. I remember that was forever. That's the second though. time I ever saw you in my life. Really? For the first yeah. th- we met we We met me- at Pete's house, yeah. No, we met at a ladybird screening. Did we meet at a ladybird screening? Yeah, because Pete came with you and he was yeah. like, Hey guys, this is my friend Lucas, he's really cool. Dude, yeah, we did see I forgot about
0: that. That's crazy. Yeah. Dude, Pete took me... Shout out Pete for that. He took me to all those screenings. He took me
1: to the Bo Burnham 8th grade screening. I was there, yeah.
0: That shit was cool. Yeah. That so was cool. To, See,
1: but to go back a sec before we just talk about movies, we yeah, were like... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're good. I can do it all day, but... Um, Yeah, so you're kind of saying how like, you know, there's these people doing like relatively, you know, bigger stuff and they're on a different track and Mm -hmm. they're kind of like living in LA and you're doing stuff a little bit more unorthodox, but you feel like you're kind of at the same. Yeah, because
0: it's like, I feel like there's a, the the journey is that we all get to be a creative or an executive head or or something like that, right? That's what everybody wants. If you want to be a a big producer, director, VFX artist, something, some artist, you can go two routes and you're going to learn things differently there. My homie who's like a first AC, I know he wants to be a director DP. I know the moment he gets there, he's going to know the gear way better than I am. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like I'm going to know how to do things with less money. It's just a turn off. It's a trade off, you know. But sorry, getting to the, um, the TikTok stuff, though. Like the reason the whole Casey Neistat thing to me was like this is just an untapped market. And there's not a lot of filmmakers on there. There's a few filmmakers
1: on there. I should be making TikToks, huh? everybody should but like it's yeah See, it, it's so counterintuitive like, to how i think but like it's weird because like i've posted shit on tiktok but just kind of like kind of just clips of my other stuff. Yeah. I haven't like I've made a few just like I, I thought of a joke or something mm-hmm. but the way that you're kind of like I'm going to tell like a little story in like, yeah. one minute like I haven't really been doing it. Do like that. do what you
0: just want to do naturally because I think what people think with TikTok. I don't want to force like it. Yeah. Well, I think people think like oh if I do TikToks, so I got to sell out and do the face thing and do the fucking filters and do the fucking sounds and trends and stuff yeah. and it's like yeah sure if you want to get one one million views on one TikTok maybe probably not you're probably gonna be wasting your time You're also not gonna have fun doing it. Yeah, but at the end of the day like TikTok is like a it's like an open-ended market where you can just do whatever you want And as long as you do a bunch of it, like it'll probably take off and like to me. I'm like Okay, like so the art hasn't changed I'm making the kind of videos I want to make inspired by filmmakers that I can name and look after and all that kind of stuff and It feels like it's my voice I just chose the platform that's going to give me the most potential for it.
1: How much do you plan these out, or are you just kind of figuring them out as I you're write? I it? write
0: them in the morning. Every morning, I like get up and I go and I get some coffee and I'll read for thirty minutes and then I'll write for about five minutes and then I'll film what I wrote and then I'll like because
1: okay, so you're just writing them. Okay, I, a lot of my shit is. I'm like not saying a, that's bad. It's no, just, no,
0: no. But that's like what's fun about it too is that like. Uh, I a lot of my writing is, like, really stream of consciousness. Yeah. So, like, I try to just keep it that way. And then, like, just try not to overthink anything that I'm doing with this.
1: That's the thing is, like, I, I've been kind of trapped lately where, like, I keep not getting started with shit because I'm, like, thinking myself into a hole yeah. before getting started. I think – so earlier this year – um, I put out Springtime in Tempe, which is like my first love short Love that. Thank you so much. Everybody at the house, we all love that movie. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah. So that was that was the first like Zane short film I've put out in years. Mm-hmm. And then I put out the don't take it personal video for Tech Club, and that mm-hmm. was like a short film music video. I love that video too.
0: I like I like that one a little bit more than Springtime.
1: In tech oh, that, oh that's really about. cool. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think they're the best two things I've made. Like mm-hmm. I'm just really proud. of I them. like the old Tech video you did too. The one the his last single, I think. Oh, get online with all the yeah or yeah. parrot paradiddle i think okay was yeah it the yeah. one with the crop lines and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that, that yeah I love, yeah i love that video thank you i had a lot of fun making stuff for you, him you all. got me fucked up on that video i was watching that
0: and i was like zane's just doing it different." like, I was like <laughs> okay.
1: thank you yeah, yeah I, I love working with elijah and jay they're yeah. the best and no they're awesome they're yeah they're my yeah. favorite guys so i put out these two films this year and they're in my opinion, the best things I've made, I'm just really proud of them. And they took the most work because, you know, they both were a lot of locations and a lot of just, hey, can you come film with me for an hour, please? You know, like a lot of my friends. Yeah. Are in it, And so I've been working on those for a very long time. Um, both of them took multiple years, actually, just yeah. because... Uh, pandemic um not even having the ideas fully finished like while i was making Mm -hmm. it and also just like a big commitment to making it perfect before releasing it yeah um and so they've been living in my head for like a long fucking time and i thought that once i put them out i would have this huge weight lifted off them off Mm -hmm. of my chest and it'd be way easier to get back to like making new things and i gotta say like ever since i put them out like in may and june I've been really going through this rut that I'm finally getting out of this month where the last few months, I think like, it, it had become really hard for me to sit down and work. And I think it's been a lot of just me overthinking stuff or going on social media and seeing what other people are doing yeah. and being hard on myself and not feeling capable. And so a lot of times when I see people doing stuff with like very polished, highly produced setups, whether or not it's like what you guys do, um, where you're making like a lot of moving parts happen really fast. Instead of me, like I, I get so in my head of like I don't know how to do that, that mm-hmm. then I just I just get concerned and then like I don't make stuff. Yeah. And lately, like I I think I'm making like a fairly ambitious music video right now, and I, there was a lot of like kind of wallowing and like not feeling like I didn't know how to do it. And lately, I've just been kind of getting up in the day and just finding tasks to work on, and mm-hmm. just put. And surely, slowly but surely, it's been pushing forward. And now I feel like I'm actually gonna make something really great. Yeah. And I've just been trying to remind myself, like. I can do this. Like, I can figure this out. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, but it's... Uh, producing has always been my weak suit. Mm-hmm. So I guess, like, with you being the guy that, like, makes all this stuff happen, more or less, you know, it's, like, it's it's impressive to me. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that's what made
0: me want to become a producer, was that I was like, A, it's a great job to try to get, because you're basically the guy who's going to sign up to do everything nobody else wants to do, mm-hmm. which makes you irreplaceable. You know what I mean? Because, like, everybody wants to shoot but do you want to order the food and get the extras and make sure that the insurance is right for the location? You know what I mean? It's like not pretty, but what came with it is the whole reason I wanted to do it is I want somebody to, I want a producer to work with me be like, you're literally the easiest person I've ever worked with. You know what I mean? Right. Because then I'm cool with the producers and then I'm chilling. That's how I first started. Now I'm like, why would I have anybody produce for me? You know what I mean? I'm like, I can just do it. I mean, I'd get a line producer, but that's probably as much as I would get for the foreseeable future. But, um, but, like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a slept-on task. I think it's because people don't really know how to define it. Um, but I think the main thing... This is something me and Tommy talk about, because Tommy and I are both, like, kind of just the producers in our group. Mm-hmm. Like, the biggest thing about being a producer is being like, okay, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, if you like if you stop yourself in any moment that you don't know how to do something you're just going to become the most like limited person ever you know what i mean yeah like and also like i feel like even though you went to school and I didn't, I feel like we're still cut from the same crop on the fact that, like, bro, at some point you didn't
1: know how to do any of this. Yes, you know, so I learned most of what I know how to do from YouTube. Exactly, film school. That's what I mean.
0: Film schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, I also I had some projects
1: like yeah, when you I might, was, You might know, be out of frame. Like, like, oh if my you're bad. Of <laughs> I, you're on, We're on a fifty. So I just yeah, make yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. i might get all comfortable. Yeah, um, we'll find out later. But um, <laughs> I
0: I had the same thing when uh I was younger. I had two short films that I put out, and I spent about a year and a half on both of them i like edited them at the same time. One was my 16 millimeter project for Scottsdale. Pete actually shot both of them. Is Rain in it? Um, yeah. Rains in mm, it. That's yeah. joy of my world. Uh, I shot that in like f- the spring of 2018. I didn't drop it till like the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. And then I had a film called a blind date and I probably dropped it a year after I'd made it. And that was like, first off that was like really, those were, that was my second and third short film that I would say is like a short film that I would say is a full short. I made one in high school. Um, that I was like this is that that I had like made wrote and directed and stuff and I Remember I was doing those and I felt the same way. I wanted them to be perfect. I wanted to get it out I thought I would feel better and then I didn't make anything for like so long And then I finally started doing the music video stuff with Danny and Tommy and I did a few of my own music videos as well and it kind of just like evolved into that but I think Something that I think is overrated, at least at this point in my life, is the idea that like art is perfect because at the end of the day, art's made by people and people are far from perfect. So to like criticize something that you're making to be the best it can be is almost doing it an injustice, almost like if you had a kid and you were trying to criticize it and be like, you need to be perfect. You can't ask that of a child. And to me, the way that I express myself and the way that I approach creativity is that Mm -hmm. projects are like babies and that like you got to you got to like teach you how to walk and you got to like do all that kind of stuff with it. Some people see it as like this is a project we need to get it on perfectly. I don't see anything wrong with that because I think you also need to have the execution. You know, you're selling shit, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But like that's what made me fall in love with TikTok was that I was like, okay, I can make these. And if they're not perfect, it's fine. (laughs) This algorithm is more about just releasing stuff than it is anything else.
1: Yeah, that's crazy because I, j- just as like a hobby, I made Tall Skeleton Gaming, and yeah. I, I, it's it's been kind of dead for a little bit, but I'll, I'll bring it back, I just haven't. Well, I shouldn't say I haven't had the time. I don't know. Life's hard, you know. What yeah, I'm yeah, and I, dude, I get po- it. Point is, uh, I was posting like a Smash Bros. clip every day for a while. At a certain point, see Mark, uh, Private Spicy, he's been doing that mm-hmm. since longer than me. Yeah, so, so I've I-
0: seen some of yours on TikTok and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see more Tall Skeleton Gaming on TikTok
1: than I do Tall Skeleton. There's a lot more posts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I wound up um, just getting a little bit overwhelmed by it. So I kind of just hired Mark to start running my channel for me. Um, and then after a while i took it back over you know mm-hmm. um i shot uh my buddy's uh, feature film back in may and i was just like so busy that i just kind of stopped posting for a while yeah so haven't been doing stuff since may but um point is just the action of consistently doing stuff it got up to like 2100 followers which i don't really emotionally care about too much but you know I make art and I want to be able to continue to make art. And I know that these nu- these abstract numbers are what makes people think that we're worth investing yeah. in or whatever. And well, it's it's leverage. It's able to sell It's leverage, you know yeah, what exactly. Mean? Like And, well, I was just going to say, like, the tall skeleton main, like, I r- rarely post on there, you know? Um, and even still, it has, like, 300 or so. And it's just really crazy because, like, Mark, who he, he like, very dedicatedly runs his page, he's up to like 11,000 or something like Mm -hmm. that. And kind of like what you just said, like it is a platform where like, I don't want to say it's not about making stuff good because there's a lot of good stuff on there, but I guess that like maybe more than anywhere else, like the whole consistency thing, like it really works to say, to say that there's not good content on TikTok
0: is, like, such a wrong thing to say. Uh, it's a lie, it's, yeah. it's,
1: like... It's arguably too good. Like, it's too addictive. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> is. Yeah, gotta get off of it. Yeah, I, I
0: just don't, like... I don't know. I feel like when I talk to people and they're not on TikTok, I'm, like... And they're, like, it's not good or it's annoying or it's content that's gonna, like, hurt your brain or something. I'm, like, you gotta just... It's like TV. Like you could watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians all day, or you could watch a guy teach you how to cook like the best fucking sandwich you've ever seen. You know what I mean? Yeah, like,
1: I, I think for I think I spent a long time thinking that everything on there was cringe, and then what I and then I realized that it's actually an enormously wor- w- large. It's platform, YouTube, and whatever you see is like what you yeah Gen- you know it's the- just
0: a the new youtube that's like the, the, the way that i see it. yeah i don't think it'll ever replace YouTube. no i don't think so either. but, but it's like a it's a it's, it's a not an instagram or twitter you know what i mean it's, it's a youtube sits more, yeah, yeah it sits more in the twitch youtube i think it's like in the twitch youtube
1: kind of <laughs> like you know entertainment what? space you know what you just made me realize all these other social media platforms like instagram and all of them they're all trying to be tiktok
0: Oh, yeah. But, like, like Instagram reels? like yeah, That's like yeah. totally. Well, yeah. I mean, I, Not I, Twitter,
1: though, because Twitter's awesome. Well, <laughs> what I was going to say is it's kind of a fool's errand. Yeah. Because TikTok is more similar to YouTube than Instagram is similar to TikTok. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because there's like a natural part to it. Instagram doesn't
0: work. Like Instagram is so good. We talk about this all the time. Like Instagram is so good at being a portfolio. Yeah, it's like such a good app. If you want all your shit in one spot, just put it on Instagram and then you can share it to somebody. You can text it to them. Then pretty much anybody as a as at least as a filmmaker or a photographer or a DP, you look at your stuff and you're like, wow, OK, I have a good understanding of this person's portfolio. TikTok not about the profiles. It's about the videos themselves. That's why it's more YouTube. You can follow. There's a few. T- I, I follow like a dermatologist TikTok. My the, my TikTok inspiration is this guy named American Baron. Who's like popping on TikTok and he makes like indie movies on TikTok and I love them. Um, and then like Salt Hank, who's a good cooking TikToker. These are pages that I've grown to be addicted to. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not as much about the pages. It's it's really just about those
1: individual videos. Have you seen this uh, cottage core guy?
0: Yeah. Oh, wait. The hello buddy. Hello buddy. Are He's got guys- the dogs and turns on Super Nintendo. Yeah. That guy's definitely killed someone. Like, I just
1: feel it. Every no. time. I feel it like every time I watch him, I'm like, you're too proud. No, he's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, We're gonna make some honey tonight. I don't know. And dude. You... <laughs>
0: Somebody who sits in the woods and plays Super Nintendo all day kinda of freaks me out. I don't know. I kinda vibe of with it. I vibe <laughs> with it too, but
1: like, I don't know, there's just some little I think I think we might be too phobic of the woods. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe I mean he's probably he's probably
0: living a very nice life, honestly. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah. It. He's got the little honey sticks. Yeah. But so yeah, no, cute. like
1: that's the thing is like my association with TikTok initially and even still when it comes to just like the addictive scrolling nature is that it's very just anxiety inducing and squirrel brain and like i mean you know it's just like new thing new thing new thing i mean that's it's really unnatural i think for the human brain to change context that fast but with stuff like the cottage guy there's very relaxing slow paced stuff on there as well And something I come back to is that, like, when you're making art or content, you really do get to dictate the tone and energy of it, and I think a lot of people's first inclination is to copy, like, whatever the meta is, because there's a lot of uh, gamer YouTubers, like, who they'll be making a video as simple as, like, a hundred facts you didn't know, and most of them will come in all hot like hey what's up everybody and it was like dude it's that's exhausting to listen to like that's a lot of stress on the brain to hear a guy talk like that for 10 minutes but then like i found this animal crossing channel and she makes the sweetest most quiet gentle like her editing is just really Mm -hmm. nice but i've literally seen animal crossing editors be so crazy with their narration. And my only point here is that like with TikTok, which has a stigma of being like kind of like crazy and weird, it's like you actually can make like sweet, relaxing things. And that's where like, yeah, I see you kind of, you know, using like jazz music and kind of having this like poetic pace Well, I just
0: want, I want like to make my favorite movie on TikTok. That's what it is. I just want to make something like, I just like jazz. That's like why, (laughs) that's why I do it. My friends were like begging me to stop putting jazz music in my TikToks the other day. Oh, it's so good. I like it. I like it well, too. I know. People I, who I, hate I, jazz I, I, are weird. Well, I get it. I mean, it's I not, don't. it's not reg- like, <laughs> I guess it's just, <laughs> I get, I get why they don't like it. Like, it's definitely like an acquired taste, but I'm not going to stop because I like doing it. You know what I mean? I don't think jazz should be an acquired taste. It's very pretty
1: and people should like so. it. I think
0: so too. But like, also like, you ever heard the songs with John Coltrane where he like sticks his fist in the trombone and he's making these little scorp noises. Like, it's like, that's not right. for everyone. That's not what you're doing though. No, I'm not. i mean, I'm doing go more listen, classical stuff.
1: Go listen to Charlie Brown Chris and tell me that oh you, yeah that's most. like that's like oh i should do a TikTok with that sound in
0: it beautiful. for like christmas beautiful. oh especially
1: because i'll be in new york every i'm doing that the but. last few years I, it's all i listen to all this oh yeah it's me so too good. a
0: girl in my uh in my student government class in high school we do like secret santa and student government yeah she gave me that album on vinyl and like a orange like a green disc oh it was nice that's nice yeah it was a really beautiful gift i i got kind of emotional i was like damn i love that shit that's cool i don't
1: like a lot of weird vinyl with like colored discs
0: really like yeah yeah i've kind of i purged my vinyl a couple years ago because i just do i've been my life in the last couple years has been like basically like me riding on a tornado you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i moved to vegas for a year moved out here been just running music videos since now i'm moving to new york like so it's like hard to own things i just like it's just a waste of fucking time you know what i mean like i'll just own stuff when i'm more solid in my life i don't even i want plants like i'm looking around your place you have such nice plants and it's like
1: yeah i can't
0: it's just not i'm that's, not gonna kill a plant that's the
1: thing i own a lot of like cool like toys and knickknacks yeah, and, and shit i think and it's all so sick but i just don't i no i'm with you because yeah. i envision moving away one day and i'm like what the fuck am i Dude, gonna do with all this? i've done stuff? it a few times it's not fun <laughs> i'm doing it right
0: now Yes, like literally before i came here i was driving a u-haul truck and i was dumping off literally went to the dump yeah and dropped like. All U-Haul van full of shit. But also, I was running a production company out of my house, so I had props in the closet for yeah, like days.
1: Yeah, yeah. fucking Jesus, <laughs> it was so much shit. Have you know? Speaking of what you were saying about pitching a show through TikTok, um, have you seen these guys where they're like making like a two thousands like Nickelodeon like Nick at Night like sitcom type deal?
0: Oh yeah, I've seen the Seinfeld TikToks.
1: So okay. Oh yeah, that guy um, Alex F. Sands who makes like fake episodes of like Millennial Seinfeld. He's great. What what I've seen recently is there's been this trending sound where it's like the interlude music when like let's say like Drake and Josh comes back from um, commercial yeah. break. So but like like well, not a yes that but yeah not, but no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm missing the whole
0: music part and just of the sound effects. Right? Great yeah. sound effects. But
1: point is you know th- this this trend happened where people were like. Uh, POV, you're the jock in a 2000s show, uh, and you were just caught with uh, alcohol, you know. And yeah. So people have been, like, you know, spoofing these, these cliches. There's these two guys who they've taken it to the next level where it just keeps going, and then you're just watching, like, a five-minute – and then you're just watching, like, a show, basically. Yeah. And what's great is then they have the timing – like perfect to the frame for the way they like fade out, and they'll have it fade out, and then it will cut to like a commercial from our childhood, you know? Yeah. Like the fucking Samsung. And then it, like it probably hits right, right? Like yeah. No, like, people it, are in yeah. the comments like I this is just good. This is this isn't a parody, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> no, isn't a parody anymore. <laughs> and like and and now I realize like oh these guys are trying to get a deal. Yeah. Because they basically could be Drake and Josh. Dude, well like. I think being an actor,
0: being on TikTok is such a great idea. Yeah. You're just launching impressions and weird things like I've seen so many fucking funny people who are like I'm an actor on TikTok and it's like it's the same thing with artists. We're mm. like all these artists from TikTok are signing deals and people are like they only sign TikTok artists. No fucking dumb bitch like it's a fucking like it's like no these are these are artists who've been making music for the last seven years of their life and they realize they can put it on tiktok that's
1: why i've always hated the term soundcloud rapper because to me it doesn't make any sense because like that's like well i'm like okay they're an artist and there is a website where you can put your music out for free and I get Why that. Why would they not put it on there? Like Well, I get that when people started using the term SoundCloud rapper, what they were really trying to do is they were trying to talk to a cer- talk about like a certain subgenre yeah. that was perceived as like lazy or bad. But now I feel like it becomes this kind of weird classist thing and I'm like, "Well, that's like calling like a YouTuber like a a YouTube filmmaker." And I suppose maybe that is what people would call somebody like you or Joel, but like I don't know. To me, I'm just like, it's free distribution. It's free yeah. global distribution. Like, it doesn't make any well, sense. and it goes back to what I was saying earlier, but, like, the content
0: doesn't have to change. It's just use whatever platform is going to do you to the most success. Again, I'm trying to make my favorite movie on TikTok. The reason I'm doing it on TikTok is because I know it's going to work.
1: When you say my favorite movie, do you mean, like, the type of movie you would want to make? If yeah, you yeah.
0: Well, it's just I, like, what do I like? I like top-down shots. I like jazz music. I like monologues. I love, right. I love monologues. I love weird sound effects. I love awkward, uncomfortable groans. I love long-hanging shots. I like frames where my head is in the corner. I like shit like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll just do that. I'm not going to I'm not going to like cater to something that's happening on TikTok. I'm just going to I mean maybe a few things like having clips replay and stuff like that. But like
1: do you feel like you can bring these sensibilities to your music videos and stuff though because I will say when you were describing earlier making like an indie coming of age style music video and you were kind of saying like you almost wanted to pivot away from that.
0: Uh, I think I could do that. I just think sorry, I did not mean to cut you off, but I, I think
1: I could do it. I just don't think with that artist that was a good idea. Yeah. Cuz I've
0: done I've done um I don't know how many of my music videos that I've directed you've seen, but I've done, like,
1: fantasy worlds. I've done, like, rom-coms. Well, I saw the Zaya ones you did recently. Yeah. And they, the way that they're filmed and lit, it definitely has, like, like a filmmaking touch yeah. rather than, like, this, like, kind of trendy YouTube kind of style. Yeah. Uh, but I know that, like, it's still, you know, it, ha- it has, like, you know, like, visual effects and, like, flashy elements to it. And, um... I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong with that, but I just know that as you're describing wanting to be this kind of like film auteur guy, like, do you think that you could like make music videos and like like drop like flashy, glitzy elements and just kind of make it the way you would? Yeah, if you were I, I a think movie? I could.
0: But I think it's just like, a, I, I feel like the way I look at music videos versus like my TikToks right now is that a music video is like a standoff movie that mm-hmm. I'm going to make. I'm like, it kind of just needs to feel like this because that's what this needs to feel like. Um, while like, I feel like a TikTok would be like a TV show that I would make where I'm kind of in this grand control of the whole thing and I can cater it in ways that I need to move it with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like when I'm doing stuff with Seiya, like Sayah is probably out of almost everybody I've ever worked with. They're probably like my most fluidly collaborative person. I feel like I like every idea they tell me. I feel like they like every idea I tell them. And I feel like we've had a really great relationship with that, but also like I think what we are really on the same page with is that SEA doesn't always want LucasOM videos. And I don't always want to make SEA videos because there's parts of SEA and there's parts of me that we're not trying to do together. You know what I mean? And I think... Um, like, I had this talk with them, like, a while back because they were, like, kind of wanting to do videos with other directors and stuff. And I was like, dude, like, you're an artist. Do, do whatever with anybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't feel held back because we made a couple cool videos together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I think that... Um, but I, I, that's fine because, like, I think what Saya and I are doing, are we're, we're building a world together. And I think that they are allowed to visit that world as much as they want, as am I. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I almost don't want to do my quirky
1: TikTok things on a Saya video. I yeah. want to make
0: a really crazy world
1: with Saya. Like, when, when you guys did the video for the song Sex and mm-hmm. you had the, like, so you, you were inside and you had people around him. Are you and- talking about the mask guys? Yeah, so it was like they had cloth around them, but then it was like strung out. Yeah, how? What is? What's going on there? First off,
0: shout out my friend Mikey Ty- Mike Tyus. He's a choreographer in New York, and yeah. I stole that idea from him. Okay. it's uh, he does choreography videos, and his are way cooler than that, just because he has actual dancers. Yeah. Second off, um, basically what I did is I got my friend Talia to get like these um, athletic fabric, and what we did is we stitched them so that it was just a giant cylinder, and we put them over their face. And then I grabbed um, sandbags and we put them on the other end and we had people hold them so that it created that suspension. So we did that in a few different areas. That was the hardest thing to shoot ever.
1: That Yeah, I was looking at that. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> no, but dude, I'm not going to lie.
0: The moment I put that in the edit, like the first like shot of that in the edit, I was like, Apple. i made something sick like i was like yeah hey, that was that's cool. my
1: favorite video you've done really
0: thank you it's mine too it's it's actually really defeating because i'm like chasing the dragon because that was the first that was like the first music video i had done really in, like in like three years oh okay yeah i was like what yeah <laughs> like, no i like, no, can't be true like, yeah, yeah.
1: but um braxton shot it right yeah braxton shot it he's a very good he's <laughs> awesome <laughs> he's he's
0: great he's he's like that kid's a sniper bro he's like I like I like him a lot. I be- I believe in him a lot. I like yeah. I f- first saw his like little Instagram shorts that he made like a year ago and I was like this kid I literally was like whatever you need let me know. I got you. Like I like literally and yeah. like I I I asked him if he wanted to shoot that because CQ and uh Dylan were both busy and Saya was friends with Braxton and he they were like Saya was like oh um you should have Braxton shoot it and we we shot it. I actually shot two videos of Braxton and I, I really liked working with him. It, it was awesome. Yeah.
1: I, I've like only gotten to talk to him in person once mm-hmm. or two seconds. but so I've, text, I've texted with him a little he's bit. He's really smart. He's he, really good. He, uh, you know he has two studio spaces out here too, right? What? Yeah.
0: So he runs his own studio spaces out here. He has a one called, it's called Studio Declan on Instagram. Hmm. And there's a. What, what kind of studio? He has a vintage room. That's like a yellow curtain and like green floors. Oh, wow. And like, you've seen it. You've had to see it in like somebody's music video. Right okay. Here. Yeah, he's got a place in downtown Phoenix and he just built a marble, teal marble bathroom. How's he like, doing this? Dude, because he, he was, I think he was editing for a company for a little while. And then, but he told me recently, because he helps out on our sets every once in a while. Yeah. And, um, cause he, he's just a homie. You know what I mean? And like, um, he uh, and he's super DIY, so I think he wanted to just be around other filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how I've been feeling. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. It's important. Um, I'm sorry, I'm moving. I'd invite you on set. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess he just started making enough money off of that that he could just do that full time. Like
1: building stuff.
0: He ba- well, he just runs these studios through like PeerSpace and Gigster.
1: Oh. Um, so like you make it and then you register it on there and then people are yeah like basically. you like like
0: you like rent out a space like a, like a commercial space you renovate it and then mm-hmm. you just rent it out and then at that point it's just like that's crazy upkeep and like making sure that somebody's there.
1: See when I see people who are like this young like doing stuff like that I'm like it's. I don't know. People have a lot of business sense. Yeah, dude, I, I'm, I'm just
0: now getting into business sense now, and I didn't think I needed it when I was younger. That doesn't make sense to me, though, with what you've been doing the last few years. That's the beginning of my business sense. I oh, okay. wasn't doing it before. Okay. Also, what I, what I do feel like, <laughs> I, I do think, so I, I, I have this idea, too, of how I like to go about things, which is that, like, I had this production company I wanted to start a couple years ago called Left Hand Productions. The whole idea of it was it was left, it was, like, why left? Because it's not right. Mm -hmm. and like to me I think I've had a good sensibility in the last few years of making decisions as like just doing the weird thing or doing like the out of pocket thing or the high risk thing like I feel that way about New York right now Mm -hmm. where I'm like this is just this feels like the most risky so I feel like I should do it Mm. and like because like when I first started doing because I've been with Overcast since the beginning of Overcast like I I was helping them out really early on and a lot of my friends back then were like those videos suck (laughs) and I was like Whatever, like, the this feels refreshing, so I'm just going to run with this. Mm-hmm. And those videos don't suck. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> they're cool videos.
1: No, yeah. At, uh, risk is hard. I am i don't know. Dude, you you got one life. You can do as much with it as you want to. I know. I'm just thinking about, like, okay, this is personal stuff I shouldn't talk yeah, about. Yeah, no,
0: I, <laughs> I just, like, the the way I look at it is, like, Not taking a risk is a risk in itself. You know what I mean? Right. Like when I was in school, I was like, oh, should I drop out? And all my friends were like, you should not drop out. And I was like, yeah, but then I'm in school for the next three years. And I'm doing this bullshit when I could just be doing my own thing. And like when I moved to Vegas, I moved to Vegas in 2019 because I got a job at a film distribution office. And I remember I got offered the job and I moved out to Vegas a week and a half later and that like completely just changed my uplift in my life changed it i was seeing a girl i ended like fucking i was making a short film with dylan called dog days that i had to like finish up while i was moving yeah starting this new life and i was like fuck this is like really risky and crazy and honestly i'm happy i ended up moving back here but doing that was like such a it, like, I just felt like I grew up as a person because I was
1: just like I'm gonna just do something crazy, you know what I mean? What do you think about the fact that a lot of young filmmakers are told to work and work and work, and then let's say they direct like a big short film, you know, that they've been dreaming of making, mm-hmm. and like you know they then want to take this and throw it in the festivals, throw it to can, you know, yeah. and they think like this this is gonna be it, this is how I make it, yeah, because for for me. Like, first of all, it's like it can be so expensive mm-hmm. if you're gravitating it's a all. Whole, it's a whole process. Yeah. All of your energy towards this like one thing. Yeah, and then it's like you have like this one festival season to hope it lands, mm-hmm. and then like maybe nobody even takes it. You know. Yeah,
0: which is probably what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's not like shitting on anybody. That's just how no, it kind of yeah. works. Like it's yeah. hard, and that's yeah.
1: where it's like. I don't know. It, I feel like the industry kind of encourages a lot of this thought around like you have one shot. And it sounds like, you know, you and what you guys do and ki- kind of like what I'm doing as well. Like we, it's kind of this like constant in yeah. emotion, you know, just keep making things. So
0: one thing my dad told me when I was younger, and I think it's like really insightful information and it's just fail fast. And mm. it's the idea that like just take your hardships and keep running with them. And I've really ran with that a lot of my life because I think that it's important to understand. I think in in filmmaking, it is important to understand that you're going to make like you're just going to make so many bad videos and being scared of it, being scared of that feeling that makes you feel like, oh, this sucks. Like maybe I wasn't supposed to be a filmmaker. Like that's just like not anything you should listen to at all. You know what I mean? And I think. I like I've made short films and I think with short films is I think that a I think the platform for short films right now is archaic. Nobody wants a short film. Right. Nobody wants a short film, and that sounds fucked up, but it's true. Nobody wants one. That's why I don't do them. Is because it's like, how do I make it so that people watch what I want? Yeah, if you go through the festival setting, then when you're going through the festivals, you have to cater to people who have archaic mindsets. And honestly, a lot of those people at festivals, not everybody, there's some good people who work at those things. But if you're working at a festival, if you don't win anything, you're not gonna make any money. You have to pay to go to those festivals. You gotta pay, get a hotel, do all the kind of thing if you wanna actually represent. And if you have a short film, you might be able to get it on a really small distribution platform and they'll give you very little money because that's it. And you're not gonna get that unless you get some kind of like film festival accolade. Something I learned when I worked in festivals is that, like, 90% of film festivals are bullshit. And so, like, if you win at the fucking Portland Atlantic Newspaper Film Festival, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Or the Arizona Film Festival. Or the Sedona lore. Film Festival. That's, how yeah. I feel. that's why yeah. I stopped yeah. editing yeah. my stuff in yeah. all these random locals. Yeah, because it's fucking stupid. And I, I went to a few, and, like, n- not no offense to them, you know, if you guys have fun doing it, that's important. But, like, at the end of the day, like, if you actually want to progress in your career... I like, dude, I, I went to the Cannes Film Festival, and the Toronto International Film Festival, and I worked for talent agencies as an intern, and I interned at a film distribution office, and then I worked at the film distribution office, and I was like, okay, if I were, if I were to go and work a film at a festival, this is how I would do it. I would have my short, and then I would also have a full feature written from that short film, and I would have like actors ready Mid level actors, like someone like Daniel Radcliffe, who will take on an indie project, but they're not like super hard to attain like, as long as the script's good. You mean like you have people in mind? Yeah. But you, but yeah. You, I have a whole pitch in mind for a feature. Yeah. I'm not going to go blind in with a short film. It's just not worth it.
1: That's how I've thought. I, I think our professors actually even told us that because um, Damien Chazelle. Uh, uh, yeah, the whole
0: whiplash thing. Yeah, he, he had the, the whiplash yeah, short he's film. He's smart, but Damien Chazelle also comes from like money and like, high education. You well, <laughs> well, know what well, I mean? That's like, the thing. The short
1: like, film had J.K. Simmons. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's what I'm saying. But like, he was. Yeah. it still works though. The Lights Out, which is a horror film that came out. They won at Sundance. It was a two-minute short film, and then they made it into a movie. Like It happens. Is wrong with the blind guy? Uh, no, that's Don't Breathe. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but no, like I, I look, I I love film festivals. It's honestly mm-hmm. one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire life. But like, I also just am like, I, I, I did the film festival thing because I, when I dropped out of school, my parents, I had some money for my grandma. My parents were like, you can use this if you want to, but you need to use it to like learn something. And I was like, all right, look, if I go to film school, it's not going to teach me anything I can't learn for free. Mm -hmm. So what do I need to understand? I need to understand the business of filmmaking. That is something that you can't learn in school. So I went and I applied for some internships, did internships at these festivals, and I learned how all that worked. And I learned how film festivals worked. And pretty much the moment I feel like I had a good understanding for film festivals was the moment that I was like, I need to figure out how to get independent distribution for my stuff. I need to figure out how to actually do that. And I need to do it in a model that works for me. Because like what I'm starting, this is where I'm getting with business now. This can be, business can be just as creative as art itself as long as you allow it to. You can do things your own way, you can be creative and usually creative decisions in business pay off as long as you understand what you're doing as you're doing it. And I think that like, for me, I started falling in love with Casey Neistat because Casey Neistat, I felt so similar to him where I was like, I, I am a filmmaker but i know that i can make things for i i know i can make cool videos for like little to nothing and i and i understand that there's this like platform that you can grow on that nobody's really touching on and like when i kind of started leaning into that i I had ideas i've been also this is like my fifth tiktok attempt Mm. i did uh vlogs on tiktok a year ago i made like 20 Mm -hmm. i released like 10 of them i was way too perfectionist on that i did poems i did comedy bits on tiktok for a little bit
1: this is like this is like not the first time i've tried doing tiktok did did you feel like a need to like kind of wipe the slate clean and not
0: yeah i i think that you got to grow a page like a channel in the sense where you got to like have like like you you have a tall skeleton and a tall skeleton gaming right you're not going to do both on one i'm i'm the same way so i i did uh i did the vlog one um and I just felt like there was a lot of my personality was being lacked in that. And then I did the poetry one, and that just felt boring. I felt like I was like just sitting there and reading poems. It also felt a little too serious. My poems aren't really that like funny. Um, and then I did like some. I tried to get into like a. I did. I helped run the Overcast TikTok mm-hmm. like well, two years ago. Like when we were really trying to do it. And I did a couple of DIY videos on there. Like, yeah. how to do your own Snoricam. Or, like, uh, like here's some apps that help out filmmakers that you probably don't know. And yeah. I was like, this is something I could totally do. Because I know something. I know a lot about things in filmmaking that I feel like a lot of filmmakers on the internet don't even know about.
1: That, that's the type of stuff I've been feeling like I should do. But when I think about it, it, it doesn't enthuse me a ton yeah. to make, like, tutorials and stuff. And then that's where it's like... Behind, I love behind-the-scenes content. Like I've been watching Corridor Digital since I like yeah. 2014. we talked about
0: Corridor a bunch of times. Yeah.
1: I actually was introduced to them like last year. Oh, you met them? No, I uh, like, had oh, never. Oh, I had never uh, just seen like them. the channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd never yeah. seen the channel. Yeah, so I started watching them in 2014, and like their side channel, I learned so much from from watching these behind-the-scenes videos, like the making ofs. I love shit like that, but. I don't know, sometimes when I think about all the projects I'm trying to make, and then setting aside time to edit together a making of, like, my mind melts a little bit, and I also don't have, like, a guy, like, on set filming the making of, so, like, that's something I would also need to make those a little bit more possible, but I've made some making of things in the past, and, like, they, some of them were kind of eh, ass. so I, like, unlisted them and stuff, but, yeah, that's the sort of stuff I would love to make of it, but it's just... It's sometimes I'm like having the time to like make the art yeah. and then make videos about the art. Like it's like so tedious. Well, that's what that's
0: what makes like TikTok so great is that like I have a for my production company. I think I'm going to start another TikTok and just do like everything that has to do with my music videos on there. But have that mostly be just, like, time lapses of me building out shots and stuff like that. Like, right. just stuff that's, like, almost, like... And then if I, like, have time one day, maybe I'll do, like, a little tutorial thing. But, like, not really, like, limit to that. I, I don't love the tutorials. It was just an avenue I knew I could do. Right. I have a good camera presence. And I know I can, like, I can explain a lot of things. And I know I knew the logistics aspect, which is stuff that people don't really talk about on videos. Yeah. But the once I got to the thing that I do now, I think it was... It was really just like, how can I, I, I actually, if you look at my earlier TikToks, I did dialogue pieces, but those took me a while because I was doing like responses and I was going back and forth. Like, and I was, like, a, like a sketch where you're Yeah, like, okay. yeah. And it was fun. But when I got into like the monologue stuff, I was like, I can write these faster. I can film them faster. I can get yeah. them done in a day. And they started also the first one that I ever, I think my first TikTok that did anything got like 30K. And that was like off of me basically explaining what it's like for me to have a panic attack. And mm-hmm. the moment I did that one, I was like, this is like definitely
1: my avenue. Yeah. Also, t- talking, stuff. T- talking about like interpersonal things.
0: Yeah, just like I, I have this one, um, I, f- I forget what it's called, but it plays to the song um, Time Moves Slow by Bad, Bad, No Good. Uh-huh. And um, I'm basically just explaining what it feels like to go about your life and feeling like you're always waiting for the next thing. So, like, I was like, I'll watch a movie to get to, I'll watch a TV show to get to the next episode I'll read a book to finish the next one. And I'm working just so I can get the stuff I need to get done tomorrow done. And I was like, I'm not actually living my life. Right. When I started writing about stuff like that and having these, like, inner monologues, A, TikTok picked up, I was having more fun, and it was really easy for me to express it.
1: Yeah. Maybe my, I'm just thinking about, like, what I could do. Dude, just I, do I, whatever feels right. That's the thing is like, I don't know. I think I'm like a pretty particular person as we all are, mm-hmm. you know, and like people who know me, they know like the shit I think about and like yeah. talk about and like I have a lot of different interests and I don't know. I'm like, maybe I should just fucking, my thing is like, okay, I'm overthinking all of the stuff about, you know, like setting it up and making it nice and making it presentable. And I'm like, all right, well, if I am the type of person where it's like if I want this to be easy, all I all I want to do is set up a phone and then just say stuff. Maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I should just go to the park and lean it against something and then just ramble yeah. about stuff for a few minutes and maybe like that's my version of what you're doing. Exactly. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, do you like my TikToks? Yeah they're easy <laughs> they're they're like so easy when i realized that people are actually gonna like the stuff that i do that i don't put a whole lot of effort into uh, that made me be like holy shit why am i like hurting myself over trying to make something perfect which i still want to do but right now i don't got a lot of money
1: you know what i mean like what i like about what you're doing is that they kind of have this like poetic like rhythm to them you know like i know that you said you used to do poetry but i feel like what you're doing now still kind of has yeah them, that i think structure. it does too well it's again it's monologues which i think can be really poetic you yeah. know what i mean and
0: again it kind of comes from this like i've written movies before and i write scripts and i don't really love like writing platforms and stuff like that like but i definitely consider myself a writer mm-hmm. and i wrote poems for like three years like almost a poem every single day just because oh, wow. i was like it's, a, it's just good therapy for me yeah and i used to read those and then i was like this just isn't fulfilling me and now i don't even write poems anymore because i usually am writing these tiktok scripts right so i i think it is similar to poetry
1: yeah i see i've just been really trying to restructure my life lately to like carve out more time for shit I enjoy because I feel like now a lot of the stuff that used to come naturally to me like just drawing you know now I think about it like how am I ever gonna have time to draw you know and it becomes this like project in my head but before it was just like a thing I would sit down and do the way you describe playing Pokemon right or like writing poems and it's like I don't know. I I think between, like, producing videos to even doing, like, these fun, like, art things, it can be so easy to, like, make the idea of it in your head feel like a mountain yeah and then kind of like I, I related a lot to what you were saying about the whole like living for the next day like everything you're doing is like for another thing and it's really just an avoidance of being present yeah exactly but, but then you look at your screen time and you're like oh look at all this time that could have been spent doing those yeah. things that you were thinking
0: about how you can't do them well and i think a lot <laughs> of it comes down to the fact that like humans are like fragile creatures and our brain and the way that we actually want to function is really fragile or at least mm-hmm. that's the way i approach it um and like trying to do things like, I feel like we all want to do all of these things. And if we try to do it all at once, we're not going to get any of it done. Yeah. But if you try to do one thing at a time, like I always, I, my life at this point is a slope of like complete organization to straight mania and then back to complete organization again. Yeah. I like to meditate. I like to write poetry. I like to read. I like to meal prep. I like to have a weekly budget that I look on. All that kind of stuff but then i have four videos in one week how the fuck am i supposed to do all that stuff and what i do is i fall off the horse and then i slowly put myself back on so like yeah i'll start with the meditation because it's the easiest and it's the fastest and then i work my way into the other things and i think that like i feel like if you kind of look at it, approaching everything like that it makes it easier i think that like with me with TikTok, that was where i was like okay let's
1: make this as easy as possible so then there's no excuse you know what i mean yeah, that's a lesson I've learned over the last number of years where uh, around like 2018 or so, where I was like getting out of college and just, you know, being an adult, trying to do better by myself. At that point, I was already going to therapy and I was medicated. I'd like gone to yoga classes, you know, I was on this kind of like... is great. It really is. If you can, if you can like get yourself to doing yoga constantly, you're going to be like a super
0: healthy person.
1: I, you know, I was starting on this journey of like learning of like enjoyable, like self self health mm-hmm. type things. And I I kind of became like obsessive over learning stuff yeah. that I would I could do better, and so I started getting really obsessed over like the the health of sleep and you know and so I was learning like yeah, you saw the Matthew Walker podcast yeah freaking the fuck out right like yeah 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and uh, and so you know, between that and meditating and this and that, you know, like I had this laundry list of things that I felt like I needed to be doing to be my most optimal self because I worked it in my head. Like this makes me feel better and this makes me feel better. So if I get to a point where I can do all of these things, I'll be so happy. And like those things, I think definitely bring your default setting of like consciousness and mood to a higher place of content rather than suffering. I think in general, when you're alive, it's like, I think happiness is kind of an illusion and like life is kind of more about being content and then you get to enjoy moments of happiness, yeah. you know? And like, ultimately that I think comes from like being healthy and having like a good mindset. And so I was getting like, I st- I honestly still am like this, like just so obsessed with like being like perfect with all these like health regimens, whether or not it was meditation, or sleep, or whatever, and I would talk to my therapist about it, and I'd be, like, so hard on myself for, like, fucking up any yeah. of these individual areas of things. That was hurting you more than even the preventatives that you were trying to do? Well, well, really what it was is I, I, I was failing at all of them. Yeah, because you were too hard on yourself. And, and she was like, well, you need to you need to focus on, like, one at a time. Yeah. You know, so, like, this year, like, the thing I'm, I'm hardest on myself for this year is... I've been eating more fast food than I ever have. Like I, I've been eating terribly this year, but uh I've been like smoking less weed than ever, and that's like a goal I've had for like years now. Yeah, and I'm We've to, talked about that a few times. Yeah, I'm finally ha- I'm finally having more self control with like drugs and stuff than like I have in the last few years. And like Sure. While I've been excelling at that goal, this other one has been biting me in the butt. But it's, yeah. it's just fucking hard to do both at the again, same time. Again, it's just it's like uh, it's like when they talk about quitting an addictive
0: drug. Let's say you smoke cigarettes and you smoke weed, and which yeah. I've had problems with both in the past. Like, if I try to quit both at once, I'm gonna fucking obliterate myself. But if I try to quit one and just lean on the other a little bit, yeah, long term that's not a great idea. But you gotta just get through the day. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think that's how it is for me. Like. Anytime I've ever had to like stop my routine entirely, I don't immediately go back to meditating, reading, working out, all this kind of stuff. I usually start with the smallest thing and then I try to make my way back because like the goal is to do it. It's not to be perfect. And I think we get caught up in that. It's probably like maybe sometimes with you with like all the health things that you got really into, Mm -hmm. you were trying to be more perfect about doing them than actually just getting them in your system and actually like being conscious of it
1: and like the idea behind it was that i wanted to feel good and happy but i feel like i feel like i don't know i get a lot of self-awareness of disappointment like i can feel guilty and shameful like very easily. oh yeah well you're
0: you're a guy like 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 you're a man that's like our biggest problem in life is that we're just like sitting here and
1: we're like shaming ourselves all the time <laughs> like there's, like. well it's just like when you're when you're sitting in that it's like I'm doing all these healthy things for myself, but then that's still what I'm thinking about. And it's like, no, you got to kind of just get present with, yeah. I don't know. It's it, it's it's a cliche, but like re-teaching yourself to just be happy mm-hmm. about like little things or things that aren't even little, but you've just grown accustomed to yeah. them. Like I love living in this house. Yeah. And so like the week when I moved in here, I was so happy. Now it's my day-to-day reality, so I don't think about it as much. But sometimes, like, I really just try to, like, look around and oh, reflect yeah. and be like, this is nice. Dude, y- you Dude, know? I feel you because I live in, like,
0: honestly, my house is gorgeous. I have a fucking lake in the backyard where people are, like, water skiing on. And sometimes I'm just, like, I'm fucking busy and tired and fucking whatever. But then sometimes I'm just standing outside. And I'm like, damn, what the fuck? Like, this is such a nice place. Yeah. And I, that's really important. I think it... Excuse me. I think, like, it's just, like, you kind of said... I think you just got to, like anything in life is that's worth it. You got to earn it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think happiness goes along with that so well. And like you got to remind yourself to be happy. You can't switch happy on autopilot. It just doesn't work that way. And if you're doing it, you're probably just suspending something very difficult to address. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: You want to end it right there? Yeah. I feel like that's that's (laughs) good. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We're at two and a half hours.
0: You know, what's crazy is I didn't realize that, um, you're definitely moderating this whole thing in a really subtle way, and oh, that's something you. I didn't understand in podcasting. That I'm starting to like, just being here is like, you have bits you're incorporating. You're definitely steering conversation when you're like, okay, I know that people are going to be interested in this. Yeah, like, it's interesting.
1: Well, this is episode 29, so and I've done three with no guest where it's just me. Yeah. So I've I've done guests 26 times now. Okay. And it gets easier. The more you do it, because when you have to watch two hours of yourself talking, you get very critical. Oh, I'm sure. And, um, you know, so sometimes when I have people on, they're like nervous and I'm like, I got to watch myself every time I do this. Yeah. But the reason I do this is because I've been into like interviews and talk shows since I was a little kid. Yeah. I just love listening to people talk. I find people very interesting. I think it's so interesting, too. That's why I wanted to do it for so long. Yeah. So it's bothering I was like It seems like so much fun. And it was. It yeah, was sorry like, it took so long. No, it's all good.
0: It's, it's all good. I'm happy. I'm just happy we got to do it before I left.
1: Yeah. What, what you were saying about the moderating thing, though, um, something that I, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, and like a, a lot of them are comedy-based or interview-based, and what I've found to be really fascinating is whether or not it's like Ethan from H3H3 or like Joe Rogan when they are a host versus when they're a guest on someone else's show it's actually like a very different vibe yeah and it kind of shows how even though it this is just two people having a conversation when it's like your thing you have this like thing in the back of your mind where you're you're the only person who really has to think about the audience and like how it's flowing and stuff And you're the person asking questions. Maybe you have a really nice flow going and the guest actually is asking you just as many questions as you're asking them. And that's cool. But you can't really rely on that to happen. So, But the other thing is that if you're thinking too much about the next thing you're going to ask then You're not listening anymore, yeah. So, I, I think that's where just like research and preparing is really important, you so know. So, do you
0: research before you bring people on?
1: Yeah, I'll say that, uh, no offense, this is some of the least research yeah, no, I've that's done all good. because I, one, I already know you, but yeah, but two, we did this on really short notice, yeah, you know? for sure. But the most recent one I did for uh, the filmmaker Dan Chen, I was going out to LA, I was doing it in his home, mm-hmm. he got a movie into like Tribeca. Oh, that's sick, there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk to him about. And um, he's like a good filmmaking connection I have. So I wanted to be professional. So yeah, this could, one's a lot more casual yeah yeah well you know it's yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think people can learn stuff from this no but, totally but i think it's
0: like i know what you mean though like our, our relationship is more casual so you can write right, more casual right. you know me you've known a lot of like the stuff i've been doing for the last few years so yeah
1: and yeah so like as far as research like yeah i think it's really important because if you look at somebody like sean evans from hot ones or like even nardwar mm-hmm. those are the most researched interviewers in yeah, the game they know shit that you don't even know about nardwar yourself is crazy yeah and i get so Goddamn annoyed when like Jimmy Kimmel or somebody asks a question like uh, I, I heard that uh, you and your daughter were um were you guys on vacation in San Diego recently? And then the guest is like, no. and like clearly what happened is like their team put together some notes. they half read them. yeah, remembered the fact wrong. You know what I mean? And so th- there's been tons of times I've seen a talk show host, like, bring up, like, a plot point of the actor's movie, and it's just so wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, what was your day today? Were you thinking about your job, like, at all? You know,
0: there's a really good <laughs> one. They, they, got, they got canceled because they're a fucking creep, but they were really good. Uh, you ever listen to Charlie Rose talk to filmmakers? Oh, Charlie Rose is an amazing interviewer. Oh, God. When he talks to – especially when he talks – you could tell he loved cinema because when he, he talks to filmmakers, he's, like, giddy. Like, yeah. it was, like it was like I watched so many of his because I always watch like interviews with directors and stuff yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I I think that interviewing is like an art, and with oh po- I think too with with podcasts, I've tried to approach this more as having a casual conversation where interesting stuff might come up than an interview because I think when people feel like they're being interviewed, they're more inclined to give short answers that are getting to the point rather yeah. than just having like a flow an elaborate
0: kind of thing and i think i think that's what podcast became so great is that like i learned so much on like joe rogan's podcast like whenever he has an interesting guest on yeah and it's like so fluid conversations
1: yeah I, you know i i think that there's like a lot of valid criticism about him but i think like when his show is at its best he's had on very very interesting like Scientists like Matthew Walker, or you know, I mean, he's even had on like Bernie Sanders, right? Yeah. He's had on really good guests, and just I said Mark Zuckerberg on. I was listening to it last night, and uh, I have thoughts, but yeah, <laughs> I, you know, the point is, is like, yeah, like, you know, he's someone who I think creates a very nice, natural environment where people can kind of just talk as themselves, you know, and like, I don't know, you like talk shows are cool, and I like them a lot, you know, like Conan, for instance, but. You know, that's kind of like a show business version of it. And like, I think in podcasts, like, just getting the people, like, getting to hear people, like, talk as themselves, like, you you can kind of get a lot of humanity out of it. It's
0: better because it feels like, again, when you have somebody like Bernie Sanders or Mark Zuckerberg on a podcast, and you're like, oh, these are people, even though they're huge or they're powerful or anything like that.